Join Winnipeg Sports Talk, live from the NHL Draft in Nashville, presented by CoolBet, beginning on June 26th. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What's going on? Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you for the next couple of hours. Um, We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Continue to get ready for the week down in Nashville at the NHL Draft with so much intrigue as to potential player moves around the Winnipeg Jets. And we'll dive into that with our main man, Ken Weeb. At Weeb's World himself is going to jump on for uh, uh, the middle part of the program. We'll see. Uh, Ken's got his ears to the ground. I know that. We'll see if he's got any more uh, developments, uh, hearing anything about Pierre-Luc Dubois' future, as well as everything else going around the Winnipeg Jets. Certainly get his thoughts on the cup final as well. Uh, in, in addition to some significant decisions that need to be made very soon as the buyout window opens, course in 48 hours for teams to file for team elected arbitration which could be key when it comes to Pierre-Luc Dubois situation here with the Winnipeg Jets uh, we'll also get the latest from around the league and the <clears throat> cup final aftermath with our pal Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period um, and as we get ready to pack the bags in the computers and get down to Nashville for draft week we will welcome in Another draft expert, Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff, who's got a new mock out. We'll talk to him a little bit about his thoughts on the first round, as well as players that could be available in that mix in and around 18 when the Jets select. Unless the Jets, of course, add another pick or two, depending on what they are doing. We'll also get to the bomber situation right off the hop here in a minute, uh, and uh, and much more today on the program. Uh, of course. Thanks again to everyone for uh, the comments yesterday. I mean, we did spend a bit of time talking about what happened to uh, our former colleagues out in Edmonton yesterday, as well as um, just an absolute bloodbath of uh, jobs in the media industry around the country. Um, We'll touch on that. And um, I did actually, and you can check out Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, We won't really get into this too much, but I did go on CBC this morning in Edmonton talking a little bit about, you know, what had happened there, um, as well as our new reality two plus years in here on Winnipeg Sports Talk after the same thing happened to our station in February of 21. Listen, just before we bring in Michael Remus, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Assiniboia Downs, The Gold Eyes, Aquatech, Modern Man Barbershops, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, Boston Pizza, Royal Sport, the great people at Princess Auto, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg's favorite local beer, and of course, our friends at Cool Bet Canada. And do not forget, folks, as I just mentioned, a week Monday, June 26th, Winnipeg Sports Talk live at the NHL Draft presented by Cool Bet Gets Going. We'll be there right from Monday through the final picks on Thursday's seventh round. Really looking forward to that as well. All right, let's get Michael Remus in here to get things going. Remo, what's going on? How are you? Hey, I'm just, uh, you know, getting ready here. NHL offseason. We got some, we got a signing today. Jesper uh, Bratt, but... We're just counting down here. We got Stephen Ellis coming on talking about the draft. I imagine with Dennis Bernstein, some fantasy hockey style trade 
talk. He's with the LA Kings, and you know we're talk Jets. A lot is still a lot of Jets talk always here, of course. But heading into uh, what should be, I think, a very busy three weeks as we are jonesing for any here, Luke Dubois updates or Hellebuck updates. I mean, I put out those videos on our channel of what I think you and Ken talking about Dubois from Friday, and then you and uh, Ren. John Reynolds talking about Hellebuck on on Tuesday, and just like I think over ten thousand combined views on those, maybe twelve. So <laughs> a lot of interest. The, 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 yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that people are. I mean, you know, fans like us and most of the media are waiting for a little more clarity, some information, anything right now to get us closer to um, get an idea about what is likely to happen with the Winnipeg Jets, but. Patience uh, will be a virtue, I think, for all of us, because I do think something and many things will probably likely happen, you know, by the time that the picks are finished being made in Nashville a couple of weeks from right now. <clears throat> but certainly don't believe anything is imminent. But that gives us more time to talk about it all right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Listen, we will get to all of that. And <clears throat> Dennis in particular, being in L.A., I'm looking forward to having on because, um, you know, and again, I mentioned that name, Quinton Byfield, a couple months ago as the type of a player that if you're giving up some big-time assets and you want a guy that has a ceiling uh, that hasn't popped yet at the National Hockey League level, really the way you might think a top-level pick is, could he be available? Very interested to hear his name mentioned by Elliot Friedman in conjunction with the Kings reportedly being ready to take a big swing at Pierre Luc Dubois, and of course Hellebuck's been mentioned for uh, Hellebuck's been mentioned for um, a potential landing spot in LA as well. And LA is the place where I think you can count on guys being willing to sign long term as well. And what that does to the Jets' ask uh, will be all interesting. So all of that we're going to cover, and as I said, a little bit more on the draft coming up <clears throat> with Stephen Ellis as well. Uh, I want to get to the Bombers, but, you know, again, we talked about this, and if you missed yesterday's show and you're interested more in a reaction to what happened in Edmonton, check out the first 15, 20 minutes of yesterday's show or podcast. But, Reem, just not to put a bow on this, because, um, as I mentioned, I was on CBC this morning talking about it, and that was such a weird day yesterday because, you know, we had heard about it a couple hours before going on the air and addressed it right off the bat. But as the day continued, <clears throat> we heard more and more people that, you know, no longer had jobs. And I I, I got to give a, a, a special nod to Lever Sage in Ottawa, who'd been there for 20 years. Uh, I'd been on his show a number of times. He'd been on our show a number of times. And, you know, he in a lot of ways was, you know, sort of the lifeblood of that, of that Ottawa station. Um, so to find out that Lee was let go, uh, was really tough. And then, of course, Kelsey Braid, um, who I thought was one of the most talented young broadcasters in the TSN family on SportsCenter, also reportedly let go yesterday. <clears throat> uh, it was more than just Edmonton. And, I mean, I know some of the funny stations were killed. I mean, to me, that doesn't even count. I mean, shutting 1290 funny down means nothing because they had zero employees. All they're basically doing is pressing a button on a computer. Um but man, there was a lot of people that were affected by uh, by what happened yesterday. And, you know, we focused on Edmonton because it was so similar to exactly what happened here in Winnipeg two and a half years ago that led to the start of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, but I'll tell you what, I mean, uh, you know, in that station in Ottawa, 
Um, they lost some real key people, Sean Simpson as well. Um, and, and, you know, and as much as I certainly feel for the listeners and individuals that lost their jobs and stations yesterday, um, I also remember conversations we had with other people at other stations just wondering when it was going to happen to them. Uh, and even in Toronto, I mean, Leafs Lunch is gone. Al's brother, big fan of Michael DeStefano, what he did, he's out, Julia Takeri. So um, just a real, real dark day. And uh, then hearing today, Scott Stinson's gone to Post Media, and you combine that with the other athletic layoffs earlier this year. I mean, just one of the darkest days in this industry I can remember ever. And there's been plenty of them over the last decade. Yeah, I think it was a, like a regular thing around November when they would call you into the room and say, hey, we've let a bunch of people go, and eventually uh, it came for us. And I remember just how much it felt like an inhumane execution for us, and it was, you know, a lot of those memories came back. Um, and I think it's just a signal that uh, they don't really, they don't care about uh, the people, they don't care about the listeners, and even though the station what had a great following, had sponsors uh, in 1260, uh, they shut it down, and it seemed to be doing well. Um, it's just, I think that's the the part you don't really understand. Like for them to just go and like you could have pivot to something else. Like they just go and like delete a Twitter account with like twenty k followers like that. Like just shows you don't really care about anything. But the bottom line, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you know what I don't know what Dusty's up to or Jason Greger, but I'm sure they'll all tune up. And I'm I'm very interested to see, uh, how it works out for them, and I'm sure. They'll be successful at, at whatever they do. But it was, uh-huh. I was listening to a lot of like podcasts and commentary yesterday about just what happened. What happened? There's so many people um, losing their jobs, and you're just seeing the way media in Canada is presented just just changing. And I think that's something you know I'm always interested in uh, in hearing about. Well, listen, times were tough. I mean, we just got the financial numbers from Bell, and they only made seven hundred and seventy-one million dollars in the first quarter. So. Well, I mean, when you're only pulling in 771 million over three months, couldn't get I to mean, eight. You, you gotta, you gotta get the get the guillotine out. I mean, it's time to uh, time to shut everything down. Um, so listen, I um, and and I mean, and if people want to know why, the bottom line is that to Bell, people are a liability, um, and sports radio as opposed to something like funny where there's no employees and nobody on the air and they're just taking package content that they have already, putting it in a computer and throwing it out, obviously it costs nothing to run. The, the sports industry, sports talk, and news talk as well, but particularly sports talk, because of the nature of it, the talent is expensive. Um, and for companies like Bell, you're mixing in health benefits and all those other things. I mean, I understand there are challenges, but you know, when everything, when every decision is made just based on dividends and shareholders, um, you know, a lot of the people are forgotten in, uh, in, in it all. And uh, there was a lot of people left behind yesterday. You know, I had a conversation with somebody um, that had been with one of the, the big stations um, for a long time and had moved on into a, uh, a private endeavor earlier on. And I mean, they felt horrible, but in a lot of ways, I mean, the reason why the likes of, uh, I mean, a Gary, for instance, moving on to Vegas. And, you know, you've seen a lot more people and great friends of ours and Ed Tate working with the Bombers and Tim Campbell left the free press to go work for NHL.com. And Sarah is now working with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, the writing's been on the wall for a while. However, <clears throat> and Edmonton in particular will be a great example of this. Um, 
<clears throat> what we've done here in Winnipeg, um, doing this on a daily basis, something very similar, and I would argue actually better in a way, the way that it's delivered than we did in the, in, in the radio days, um, is going to be on the table for that. Because that, that place is just like Winnipeg. I mean, there's so many similarities. I mean, the people are very similar. It is a crazy sports town. They had incredibly passionate listeners for their station, as we did here. Um, and yeah, to your point, I know Gregor. Gregor, in some ways, has sort of a head start because of the way I think his show ran beforehand. Uh, and I could tell by the tweet yesterday that he'll be back somewhere very soon um, doing his brand of sports analysis in the afternoon. And uh, I would not at all be surprised if the AM Nasty with Dustin Nielsen and Lieutenant Eric gets going in some new form, whether it's at the same time or not, uh, you know, we'll see. But I have no doubt that the the fellows, that, that city needs those guys. I mean, that was as fun and creative and popular a morning show as I've ever heard in sports radio. Um, the only thing with Dusty is he's so damn busy calling the CFL and doing all the podcasts. Um, but there's no one that works harder as well. So still thinking about everyone that lost their jobs yesterday. And, uh, you know, I just hope that I don't get another DM about another person that we've got great respect for that has helped us out over the years, finding out they're on the line because those have been far too frequent over the course of the past few, uh, over the course of the past few days and certainly hours. Um, Remo, before we get to the hockey talk, because I think that's going to really dominate a lot of the show today. Um, tomorrow, of course, will be a big day. The Bombers take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and Ed Tate is going to join us tomorrow from Regina to set it all up. Uh, walkthrough day today for the Blue and Gold, and no Jackson Jeffcoat. He's placed on the sixth game. I, I hesitate to tell people to get too... I mean, listen, it is concerning. He didn't practice very much or, at almost at all during training camp, and you know, was injured in that first game and has had a tough time staying on the field over the last couple of years and is such an important player on the club. Um, he's been put on the sixth game. It is important to remember that guys can come off of the sixth game. But the bottom line is um, that is a pretty key player of that defense that won't be going. But they did get some news, uh, good news on some other players that hadn't been seen at practice since uh, the last game. Yeah, CFL Week 2 kicking off tonight with Calgary and Ottawa, uh, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. And- uh, is tomorrow and I and I feel bad for Jackson Jeffco. We had him on it, you know, in the off season. He was talking about how he was training differently. He's older, you know. You got to train smarter, and for him to be, you know, leave the first game with the injury and now be on the sixth game uh, injured list, uh, that's a blow to the defense. And I think that got to suck for him. But we know this Bombers team has one goal, and they just need to have everyone healthy for. The Grey Cup. I mean, you look at the play of the quarterbacks last week, and I know it's week one, but pretty clear. Bombers far and away, uh, you know, number one on everyone's power ranking. So as long as you're healthy when it the games really count, I think that's okay. I was, for fantasy purpose, I, for says I was monitoring Dalton Schoen, who missed practice. You know what, an ankle injury? And Brady Oliveira, who had such a good game last last week after when he got off to a slow start Last year, filling the big shoes of Andrew Harris, but those guys are listed as in among the starters. So, and for Saskatchewan, the big news for them, Hustler, and we're laughing this about is this. That's amazing. Well, and you know, in terms of receivers, uh, Nick Marshall and Darrell Walker, they're not going to be in. But the big story for Saskatchewan is that quarterback, Trevor Harris, a game time decision. And if you didn't see their. <laughs> 
their game, their win against Edmonton on the weekend. You know, what was it? Like five seconds left. They have the ball and they do a roll. Instead of just killing the clock, they do a rollout with Trevor Harris who hucks it up, then gets shoved, falls to the ground and starts grabbing his back. And he's a game time decision on an unnecessary play call when they had the game wrapped up. And if you're a Riders fan, you got to be livid about bringing this guy guy in and injuring him in the first game. So if he doesn't go, it'll be Mason Fine uh, at quarterback. And uh, I'm sure fans, the Bombers' D is Thursday. What? Rider fans will not be fine yeah. if it's Mason <laughs> Fine starting that game against the Blue Bombers on the weekend. I mean, that it, listen, football's a tough game, and it's a dangerous game. And quarterbacks know that on every single snap, they are in danger. And obviously, part of it is on Harris to, you know, have the awareness of the situation to get rid of the football sooner and make sure that he's not hit. But considering the way that it played out, I mean, Craig Dickinson has to be under some serious, serious heat and scrutiny. Um to do that in a game that was all but over at that time, Remus. I mean, this the design of the play was just to get it up in the air and to get a few more seconds off the clock. But to put your starting quarterback, the guy that all of your hopes are on the shoulders of, into harm's way in week one, and for it to turn out that way was almost inconceivable. And, you know, Harris at the end of that game put on a brave face and did the game afterwards, but it was quite obvious he was still in, did the interview afterwards. It was quite obvious he was still in some level of distress. And I got to tell you, if Mason Fine rolls out and takes the first team snaps for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Friday, um, that is going to be a story. I mean, these guys were already under so much pressure uh, and a spotlight after what's happened the last couple of years, especially last season. I can't imagine, other than the fact that they won that game and they had that crazy goal line stand that prevented Edmonton from going up in the fourth quarter. I can't imagine a worse way to start the season if somehow Trevor Harris isn't available for a massive game against the Bombers because of a terrible decision and poor execution in the dying seconds of a win. Yeah, it's a what hip injury for Trevor Harris, and you don't want to see your quarterback injured. And you don't want to see him put himself in harm's way when they really don't need to, and I think this is a big year for Saskatchewan. There's so much disappointment there last year after hosting the Grey Cup and having, I think, a, a pretty rough season on the field, but also in attendance uh, at Mosaic Stadium. So I'm curious to see you know, what the attendance is going to be on Friday. I think that's a story around the league. Not so much here where it's like, what, 30,000 uh, or just about 30. And I know Calgary last week, there was some criticism that they were the what first game of the season to only 15,000. They've lost some season tickets. So... Uh, I think the big... crowd was in Edmonton. And I mean, that's the team that hasn't yes. won at home since 2019. I mean, credit to the work that they're doing to try to get people back. Uh, but they do have a lot of work to do. And mostly it's Chris Jones that has the work to do to, you know, try and find a way to win in front of those home fans and not send them back on another miserable ride home like they've done every game since before the Bombers won the 29, uh, 2019 Great Cup. Hey, just quickly, shout out to Adam Douglas in chat. Nice little super chat. Seems like a good day to show some appreciation for what you guys do. Adam, thank you very much, man. Really, 
really appreciate that. Um, we do have a game tonight. And maybe we'll touch on this a little bit more later on, Remo, in the uh, Cool Bet lines. But two un or winless teams playing tonight to kick off the week in the Canadian Football League. The Calgary Stampeders, six and a half point favorites in Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks. And two quarterbacks that did not have nice week ones. Jake Mayer wasn't good enough for Calgary as they lost to BC. And I mean, and Nick Arbuckle, I'm not sure. I mean, I think in some ways the only there's only one way to go but up after only being able to put up a dozen on the Montreal Alouettes last week. And one more chance for Arbuckle to, you know, have a good start to help his team win a football game before hopefully for the Red Blacks that Jeremiah Masoli gets back behind center. Yeah, they, they need Masoli back. You know, someone was saying yesterday, this was the question, chat, Hus, who's the second best QB in the league if Caleros is the, is the best? Is it Vernon Adams? He certainly looked like it in week one, but we've seen him look pretty mediocre at times, throwing a lot of interceptions. And I think you could make an argument it's Masoli as number two, who is so good in Hamilton, uh, who took them to a Grey Cup. Um, and now he's uh, in Ottawa, but he's hurt. And Nick Arbuckle, it didn't go well for him. Uh, you know, 15 for 25 in week one, 209 passing yards, no interceptions, but also no touchdowns. Uh, I think Mayer is better than what he showed, what he showed there in Week One. I, I would take Calgary, but they're they're missing big injury for Calgary. Has Kadeem Carey, who uh, you know one of the top uh, running backs in the league, he's out. So if you're playing fantasy, I think uh, you're going to want to put in Mills or Hayden Logan. So I'm curious how Calgary rebounds uh, after you know that Week One loss where he did not look good, Mayer. But neither neither did Bo. So I don't know if they really had any any regrets. Uh, you know, early on in the season. You know, a couple other things in the chat. Shout out to Theo Seegers, who just gifted a WST membership. I think the running man got that one. Very nice. And here's a great comment from Deer Lodge Boy. As a Brandon person, very proud of Kelly McCrimmon, a first-class guy. Mike McIntyre, free press column today, nailed it. Oh, Chipman read it. I mean, that was an interesting one from Mike, um, you know, comparing the bold moves of the Vegas Golden Knights and Kelly McCrimmon and uh, how they built that championship team. But, you know, and for all the Peter Angelos and Eichels out there, there's a Chandler Stevenson, there's a Keegan Colasar, there's a Brett Howden. Obviously, we talked about all that Manitoba connection and talent on the team, Remo. And uh, uh, an interesting column, I think, for folks to read if they haven't checked it out already. Yeah, I really enjoyed that column from... Mike comparing the aggressive nature of the Golden Knights to the Jets sit back and await approach. And, you know, they had the Golden Knights, one player that they drafted in the lineup. Pretty, it's pretty crazy. incredible. And you hear a lot of saying, oh, Vegas can, you know, go and sign any free agent. Well, they only really signed Petrangelo, what, and Martinez were their big ones. Um, you know, they went out and, and traded prospects. They really did not care about futures and trading for what Mark Stone, which was a great trade for them. Jack Eichel, that was a big one. I think it really, I think it did work out for both teams. Buffalo getting Alex Tuck and uh, Krebs as well in that one. And but it, I think it was the plan of you know what targeting Manitoba guys and WHL guys going after Brett Howden and Keegan Colasar. I mean Keegan Colasar was drafted in the third round, and they traded a second round pick for him. Uh, Michael Amadio waivers. I mean, those moves all worked out amazing for them. But even when they had moves that they made that didn't work out, like uh, signing Nate Schmidt or, you know, moving on from two Nolan coaches. Nolan Patrick. 
Yeah, Nolan. Pa- yeah, but they traded Cody Glass. Um, what's the other one? I'm trading. Oh, yeah, Pacioretty. They gave away for nothing after giving up Nick Suzuki. They were not afraid to m- admit mistakes early and move on from them and try to correct it. And again, they hit on on just about uh, every move. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, MC Stormy, thank you for the super chat. 420, like nice number. Uh, you slackers, smash the like button. And we got over 300 people in here. Let's get a few more thumbs up if you don't mind, folks, for everyone that's joining us on YouTube. All right, we are going to talk about the draft. Don't forget, WST in Nashville at the NHL Draft presented by CoolBet begins all week long, June 26th, coming up a week Monday. Uh, but just before we talk draft, Modern Man wants to spoil the Dapper Dads this Father's Day. From now until June 19th, purchase a $40 gift card and they'll load it as $50. Modern Man Barbershops with eight locations in Winnipeg and a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. And you can also visit them on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops for a chance to win a year's supply of Dapper Dan hair products. Uh, Gorgeous weather continues in and around Winnipeg and Manitoba right now. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with AquaTech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with AquaTech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. AquaTech is ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options today at aqua-tech.ca. .ca. Told you, Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery are cranking out amazing deals to get you ready for summer with their boat battery blowout sale. Um, listen, if you're spending time on the water, you got to make sure you've got a great battery. And right now, Manitoba Battery has incredible savings, including the 10-inch 140 reserve capacity deep cycle battery for just 105 or the AGM version, the same 10-inch battery that usually sells for 219 for only 139.50. If you want to get on board with the hot new lithium technology, get a 100 amp hour lithium battery that only weighs 22 pounds for just 599, which is a $200 savings. Any way you slice it, Manitoba battery has you covered for your boat battery needs. And not only are you shopping local, getting the best prices in town, far better than the big box stores, doesn't get any more convenient as well because they'll deliver it to you free anywhere within the perimeter of Winnipeg with any purchase over $60. 1026 Logan Avenue is where they're at. You can give them a call or find out more online on their boat battery blowout sale at manitobabattery.com. And, uh, hey, a week today, we're back at IG Field. Bombers and Lions. First, though, it's the Riders on the road tomorrow. Next week, though, make sure you get there early to the game. Check out that Princess Auto tailgate zone and enjoy a few Canadian Club and Ginger Ales. They were everywhere last week. Of course, Canadian Club is the official spirit and favorite whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, but you can also pick up CC and Ginger pre-mixed cocktails in cans and uh, find those at your local vendor as well. And, of course, all Canadian products are waiting for you at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Uh, all right, let's get a little draft talk in before Ken Weeb joins us. And we welcome in Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff to get us ready for the trip down to Nashville. Stephen, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, we're into we're fully into off-season mode now. It took a little while. We waited for the cup final to get finished. Um 
But I mean, not even as it pertains to who is going to be selected. I mean, I don't need to tell you or anyone at DFO about the intrigue around the Winnipeg Jets and a number of players that could be on the move. And while we do hear that the Winnipeg Jets are looking for NHL players right now, hard not to imagine the potential for maybe another pick or two or a top prospect coming to Winnipeg. And that all ties into what I think is going to be a very, very impactful and certainly interesting week for the Winnipeg Jets of all NHL teams down in Nashville heading into July. For sure. When you look at the Jets, obviously all the trade rumors, everything going on there, it's going to be hard to get a good amount of value for those guys. It's it's You don't get trades like Kachuk all the time. It's pretty rare. So for the Jets, they're going to have to, if they're going to make moves, they got to go out there and get those first round picks. So it's going to be tough, but this is the year you go all in on the, the first round picks. It's just, you know, the talent level is unbelievable. I'm not going to call this an elite draft, but I'm going to say the talent up front, you know, obviously led by Bedard, you got Mishkov, who's a top the top prospect in most of the drafts, Fantilli, guys like that. The high end is so good, but you're still not getting a ton of drop off. Like you're at 15, 16, 17, 18, like you're still getting really quality players. So if you can maximize that, that's the best way you can get a good return here. Well, you know, give us your perspective. You've been doing this for a while. I mean, we always talk about the 2015 draft that was so. I mean, there was so much talent coming out of that draft, and it wasn't just the top five. I mean, heck, Kyle Connor fell to the Winnipeg Jets at 17. Is this the strongest draft since then? And just when you're talking about the players available in the first round, how would you compare the guys that are on the board this year to what was one of the all-time drafts in 2015? Obviously, a little early to compare them too well, but I think at this point, you know, you're just you're looking at more high-end talent kind of even out the outside of the top 10 and i think there's still a lot of debate on who will go where you know there's a couple scouts i've talked to that think there's gonna be a couple goalies in the first round a lot i think that they won't be drafted till midway through the second but i think in terms of again the high end this is about as good as it gets look at that 2015 uh, draft you look at mcdavid and michael and everybody there and it just continued to get better i think there's that potential again you know you look, I think it's 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 I think a little too far away to give you a full proper comparison. But when you're looking at like Matt Mitchkoff again, like he could fall outside of the top five. That's a guy who's number one in most other drafts. Might be the best European prospect we've seen in quite a long time. Uh, and you don't get guys like that falling out, outside of the first pick most years. So that's just the talent of this group. So I say this is about as close as we've got to comparing to a 2015 draft class in terms of just the high end talent alone. Well, let's even compare it to last year. I mean, of course, Shane Wright was the number one prospect for a long time. He ended up falling with Slavskovsky that went to Montreal at number one. How many of the players this year in that are eligible to be picked in this year's draft would have actually, in your mind, gone number one last year if they were available, Stephen? Oh, that's a tough one. I think, you know, you might be looking at three guys for, if I'm being realistic. You know, I still think Shane Wright's the best prospect from the 2022 uh, draft. Um, and you know, part of that year was that year got, was looking like a really strong draft, but they got hit by COVID about as hard as anybody where they lost that first real development year for all the CHL players. Um, but for, uh, I think you're looking at, it's gotta be Bedard, obviously number one, pretty much any draft Fantilli, I'd argue. Yeah. Definitely. Number one in most drafts recently, maybe, maybe like the best number one outside of Bedard would have been Jack Hughes. And I think he would maybe sit behind Jack Hughes. Uh, and then you look at, uh, again, Mavimichka, number one, 
most of the year. So I'd say those three would be number one last year for sure. You know, uh, well, let me ask you this because we've talked a lot about this, the top five in this draft. And sometimes it's a top two, sometimes it's a top three. We all know that Bedard is going number one. How close in your mind, I mean, when you're doing your mock and you got Fantilli going number two and Will Smith going number five, how close are those prospects between two and five? Um, and how different, I mean, depending on how you, you look at it, I guess how much intrigue is there as to where these guys will go? Or when you talk to other scouts, is there more of a consensus developing as we get closer to where uh, when the picks go off the board? I think for Fantilli is pretty much a lock for number two. If Anaheim doesn't take him, that would be a huge shock. Uh, just the, the talent level there. I think the biggest question though, is just where does Mitchkoff go? Because that will change the course of the draft. I think if the blue jackets pass on them and they should, they're going all in right now. So they can't be waiting three, four years for them to come over. Um, they're going to go out there and probably pick either a guy like Leo Carlson or Will Smith. So I think it really truly kind of matters what Columbus does and that will shake everything up from there. You know, San Jose is the team I do think will go out there and, and take Michkov, but if they don't, you can't go wrong with Will Smith. So I think it's, it's kind of like the darts in his own class. Number two is Fantilli and you could throw uh, Michkov in there. And then I'd say, you know, Will Smith and, and Leo Carlson are in their own group there. So that's kind of how I do the tier system up there. Well, let's talk about those two centers because, you know, you've got Leo Carlson at three in your uh, mock that's just out at daily face-off. You've got Will Smith going to the Habs at five. I have seen some mocks with those picks switched. Um, they're both centers. Um, if you can, I don't think many of our listeners or viewers have seen much of these players. How would you compare Carlson to Smith? And in your mind, what gives Carlson the nod and how close is it? Uh, it's definitely close. Uh, just talking to different scouts, it was kind of like I pulled, like, which one would you rather take? And Carlson had the edge by a couple picks. And part of that could also be kind of since Christmas time, everyone's kind of just put Carlson as number three as a third best prospect. And I think a lot of scouts might just be hanging on to that. But for the most part, you know, Carlson's got the bigger size. He's 6'3", could physically dominate. He, he played the full year of pro hockey, which gives him a nice little leg up. Uh, and, you know, we will see Smith go against men next year in the college, but that's still not the same as playing a full year in Sweden. And the way that Carlson was able to take over against his own age group was unbelievable. And he was just playing older competition the whole time while Smith was playing against his own age group. And that's the thing that would kind of knocks him down a bit. I, I think that he's just a good two way player, makes everyone around him better. You know, a lot's been made about Gabriel Perot breaking uh, Austin Matthews scoring record and beating guys like Jack Hughes, Jack Eichel to get there. Um, but a lot of that is because of Will Smith and the way he's able to play. He's equally good as a shooter, a passer, things like that. So um, I still think, you know, the decision-making, Carlson's got the advantage there. And we also did see Carlson with the World Championship, but we did get to see how he played in San Diego. He, he looked really good with Lucas Raymond. So I think right now I'm still picking Carlson. I think he's the better all-around player right now, but Smith's got a really high ceiling. Stephen Ellis, a daily face-off with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk, discussing the available players for the 2023 NHL Draft in Nashville. Um, how big is the gap between five and six in your mind? And I know there'll be a lot of happy ice fans around here. What gave our guy Zach Benson the nod as uh, the first guy to go after that big five, if you will? I think, put it this way, if I'm, if I'm choosing, Zach Benson is probably the fifth-best prospect right now. Um, uh, but... Again, we, we kind of expect, like if, if Mitchkoff gets picked that high, I think Benson could go to number five to Montreal. Um, but it all, again, really depends on where Mitchkoff goes. That will slice things up. I think, you know, 
five to six, it's, it's still pretty close. You look in Smith and Benson. Uh, Benson's a much different player. You know, the winger scores a lot. Uh, I think that Smith's a better two-way player, but you wouldn't be paying uh, Benson down the line to go out there and, and, you know, play defense. You're out there because he scores, he puts the pucks on in net, and he plays really well with kind of anybody. Uh, I think then the question kind of goes after that, what happens then? Uh, you know, David Reinbacker, top defenseman, a team that needs that could go out there and say, well, we'll take that because there's not a lot of great defensemen this year. We can get the guy that's closest to more insider. And then Dalibor Dvorsky, I've seen some people place him as high as number three. I totally disagree with that, but you know, the way he was able to play with Slovakia internationally is really impressive. Uh, just, just a, such a smart player uh, and, and so skilled. It's just got to be putting that in every single shift, which has been the issue. So I'd say it's still pretty close kind of like from fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, but uh, again, nothing it, it, depending on who you talk to, everyone's kind of got a different order up there. Yeah. And that makes it that much more intriguing. And bottom line is teams, you know, even into the teens, um, are going to be looking at some pretty good quality players. Uh, you got Nate Danielson from the Wheaties at number 10. Tell us about that player. It, we've seen a lot of Zach Benson this year here in Winnipeg, not as much of Nate out in Brandon. Yeah, Nate Danielson's probably one of the most boring prospects in the top 10, and that's not his fault. It's just he's just so well-rounded. He doesn't do anything like unbelievable he's like not the best shooter not the best skater but he does everything just so well there's no real flaw in his game from like a major like this is something he's really missing and you do see that with some prospects even in the top 10 um so i think you know just from a pure like i'm going to be reliable every single night i can have a long career i might not be your number one center but i'll be number two number three and i'll be very very good at it that's where he brings his value uh you've got gabriel 12 going uh gabriel perot going at 12 and I've been reading more about, you know, the players coming from the U.S. National Development Team. And the one number that sort of blew me away was that he broke the single season points record for the USNTDP. And that includes Austin Matthews and Patrick Kane, Kachuk and Eichel. Um, tell us about him. And if he's done that, why isn't he in the top 10 or closer to the top five? So when you look at that line, that was the, the U.S. National Development Team line of Will Smith, um, Ryan Leonard, and Gabriel Perot. That was the most dominant line we've ever seen in that program's history. And that includes when Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield were playing together. So like that, some tough company to be in there. It's just the chemistry was so good. But, you know, he broke the record. I believe Will Smith was number two. So it wasn't like he just – it was Gabriel Perot was way ahead of everybody. But Smith was the much more well-rounded player. And then you'll go out there and you look at Leonard. And for me, I think there's just more to him there. He's, he'll hit guys. He's such a competitor. He's the guy you throw on the ice in the final minute of game because you need a goal badly. And he's going to figure it out. And that's what they did at the under-18s. He scored the game-winning goal against Sweden. Um, I just think there's just more there as towards Perot, where a lot of times, you know, uh, I think he he can use his frame a bit better to maybe hit some guys. He doesn't all the time. There are those shifts where he floats around and he doesn't ever look like the guy who's the play driver, but he finishes goals. Like you don't score however many goals or break records by accident. Like you got to be good and he is good. I just think there's like defensively, he's not there yet. I don't think he's the guy that's going to make everyone around him better, um, but he'll still be a very good prospect. And I like if I picked him going to Arizona. That'd be such a huge pickup for them. Yeah, and of course, they got Leonard at uh, nine to Detroit Red Wings. Uh, not bad if the, everyone from a line gets picked in the top dozen. Hey, just quickly to veer off of this year's draft to last year's draft, I know you probably spent quite a bit of time watching Michigan and Adam Fantilli through the year. Uh, did you see much of our guy Rutger McGrory playing with uh, Michigan this year? And 
What um, what did you see this year? Obviously, he's such an exciting young man. He's been on the show a number of times. But for Jet fans interested in his prospect uh, or uh, progress, I should say, Stephen, um, you got any intel for us on uh, how Rucker progressed this year? Uh, you know, I got to say, the, when it comes to just the overall prospects for the, the Jets, I really liked what I saw. But with, with Rucker McGrody, you know, that was a team that just – had a lot of firepower. It was kind of a shame that kind of fell flat there, but he was a point per game player, not easy to make the college transition. You know, you see what Fantilli is able to do. He puts up 65 points and does all this stuff. That's not normal for a freshman. That's definitely not normal for a second year player either. Um, but I think with McGrady just continuing to show that he can play with anybody. He bounced throughout the lineup, played the power play, uh, played both center and the wing this year. Uh, and just learning to use that size even more, I think is something valuable. He plays, He's a physical player, but he doesn't play on the edge. And that's another thing that's good about him. He's very smart, uh, put up a bunch of goals this year. And when you look at a guy that plays in the U.S. national development team, there's always the concern that it's just because of the quality of the players, like are the numbers inflated? Like what happens when you go to a higher level? With McGrory, no concerns there. Well, and the other thing about McGrory that um, I think, you know, even we could tell in talking to him, he's a very special person and character. He's been the captain on every team that he's ever been. Uh, he, in a lot of ways, was sort of the emotional spark plug of that Michigan team. And and that's sort of been the case all along. And certainly, I think we expect at some point, maybe not immediately, he can turn into that here in Winnipeg with the Jets. Yeah, I think it's just got to be patient with him, obviously, with everything going on with the team and who's going to be where next year. It's the question mark. But I think with him, it's, you know, everywhere he's played, he's been so good, whether it be international, whether it be junior hockey, whether it be the NCAA. So I have no, no issues thinking he's going to be a big time goal scorer, you know, uh, just next year. Like, let's see what he can kind of how does he take that game forward? Steven, back to the Jets. Uh, they are on the clock at 18. I guess there is the potential that depending on what happens with what's offered to Kevin Cheveldayoff, there could be another pick involved, but let's just focus in on 18 right now for Winnipeg. Um, what level of player, I mean, can the Winnipeg Jets expect to be on the board and available? And um, I know you've got Colby Barlow there. I mean, give us some idea about what you expect to be available for Winnipeg and uh, maybe a few of the players that they would be picking between. I think if with that pick at 18, it's you're going to get a smart player. That's kind of just where you're going to go with from a baseline. I picked Colby Barlow, almost 50 goals this year, a high volume shooter, shoots from everywhere, very confident in his own game. He looks like a man among kids a lot of times uh, playing. He's got a full beard. He just looks older than everybody else. But just from a skill perspective, that guy, very few guys can shoot like him. He's got a very good release. He understands why he's got a good release, what he does to, to make himself shoot like he does and uses that to his advantage. Um, one guy that'd be really interesting to watch and is kind of considered the potential steal of the first round, depending if he goes outside the top 15, is Cal Ritchie uh, for the Oshawa Generals. I actually grew up near him uh, in Oakville outside of Toronto. So I saw him play kind of all throughout uh, minor hockey and junior hockey. And the thing about him is he used to be this like super offensive minded guy. That was what he was looking for, whether it be passing, shooting, he could do it all. This year, he took a huge range of huge improvement on defensive play. And, you know, Shane Wright, when you look at last year, people said, oh, he was such a highly rated prospect. Why do you not go hit like a hundred points and blow everybody away? Um, well, that was because he worked on his defensive game, uh, significantly and that's what we saw with Richie this year there was just so much commitment to that so those are the two guys I'd be looking at you might get a guy like Brady Ager uh, out of Moose Jaw you know just 50 assists he's just got he could just do so much with the puck he's so much entertaining to watch he's a very good young kid too and Quinton Musty another one out of Sudbury just a, a fantastic playmaker he's got good size he's over 200 pounds he can hit 
So you're going to get a good quality player at that pick. You know, as far as the Canadian leagues, um, I'm just looking at the breakdown of all the picks. It does seem like this is a pretty strong year for the Western Hockey League in the first round. Um, even if you remove Connor Bedard and just say he's an all-world player, it doesn't matter where he's going. I mean, once you get past Bedard, there's still a lot of WHL talent expected to go in the first round. Yeah, and early in the second round, too. There's a lot. You know, I, I asked at the NHL Draft Combine, I'm like, okay, all you Western kids, like what was in the water when you guys were going up? And it's like, it just seems like there's so many high quality talents out there. And, you know, a lot of these guys grew up playing against each other, playing in tournaments. Uh, the brick tournament in 2014-15 had so much of what we see in the first round, including uh, Connor Bernard, Will Smith, guys like that. And it was just, you know, you, you that level of competitiveness talking to the players. They said knowing how many high quality prospects there were and, and for a pride sake, you'd want to go ahead of them. It just anytime you match up with one of those top prospects, you try to take your game to another level. So uh, you don't typically see a kind of a one Canadian side dominant like this, especially when the QMJHL where there might be one guy drafted in the first round, but with the, the way the Western league worked out this year, just so much talent. Steven Ellis from the daily Faceoff, getting us ready for draft week in Nashville. We'll be there beginning on June 26th. We've just been talking about forwards. I don't know if we've mentioned a defenseman yet. Um, Obviously, there's some really talented high-end forwards. How would you categorize the defense class? And um, who's at the top of your defense rankings? And I guess, where do you think the defense start coming off the board? So this is not a great uh, draft for the defense. Next year, I think it'll be a bit better. Um, but this year, it's kind of not the year to really splurge on defensemen. If you need a forward, you're getting one this year. Um, David Reinbacker is the best defenseman, the best comparable for him. And I don't like using comparables because it feels like it pigeonholes a player too much to a certain style. But there's so much be- similarity between Reinbacher and Moritz Seider, where they both come from smaller hockey countries. Uh, Reinbacher is from Austria. Uh, but he you know, he's always played above the odds. He could hit hard. He's very good defensively, very good offensively. He's kind of like in most defensive categories. He's a top three or top five player. And that makes him very well-rounded. Um, so he, to me, is probably the best shot at going in the top 10. Uh, after that, uh, you know, Tom Wielander uh, out of Rogel in Sweden is another guy that a lot of people think could be top 10. I disagree. You know, he's a very good skater, very good playmaker forgets to play defense from time to time. And that's kind of important as a defender. Um, Axel Sandin Pelika, another Swedish defenseman of a lot of hype. Uh, Dmitry Simashev uh, out of Russia. So those are kind of the guys I'm looking at as the top. Uh, in terms of where they go, again, I'm thinking Reinbacher might be the only top 10. Uh, and we might see another two or three in the top 15. But we're not going to see a ton of defensemen drafted. It's just not the year to really look into that group at the high end, at least. Steven, I've got to ask it as we bring on draft experts and scouts. I always like asking them, is there a guy or two that you were particularly high on, higher than maybe many of your contemporaries? Is there a, is there a one or two guys that you sort of stump for maybe above what you're seeing in other mocks and you think that might be really good value picks considering where the consensus is that they are ranked? For me, I got to go Adam Gay on the goalie from Slovakia at the World Juniors, if you remember back from there. And I think with him, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people said, oh, he was just like, uh, I'm one to say one tournament, especially the World Juniors, is not a good way to see what a prospect's future is like. But it was from there that everyone had to take notice. And I wrote about him today for Daily Faceoff and how he, a year ago, he was just cutting clips in his basement, trying to send them to teams with hopes of being able to find a team in, in the North America. He finds a team called the Chippewa Steel small town they are just like sure we'll give you a chance a few months down the line he's potentially the top goalie prospect for the draft and no one saw that coming as an overage guy so he's one that i'm really excited about 
Another one is uh, Cole Knubel, um, the son of Mike Knubel. Uh, passed over in the draft before, but it was around kind of the, right before the World Junior A Challenge in December where he really started to come up on my radar and say, this guy's got something. He uh, loves the puck on his stick, great playmaker. It seems like he just love playing with him. He's a good kid uh, and just really smart distributing the puck. And uh, I've seen some places put him somewhere in the, in the 90s, some that are thinking fifth, sixth round. I'm thinking, you know, third round, you might get a lot of value out of a guy like that, especially when a lot of these guys did still miss time due to COVID uh, in the last couple of years. A guy like Knubel having a couple of years ahead of them, I think is really positive. Hey, one more for you, Stephen, and this has been really fun. And I've kind of asked everyone that's come on this because I think Mitchkoff is such a unique prospect. But there's a lot of, I don't want to call it baggage, but I mean, he's Russian. He's got the longer contract. Where would you have Mitchkoff if he was, um, you know, from Mississauga as opposed to uh, Moscow? He'd be number two. Uh, if, if there was the, to me, it's just the contract that matters. And uh, I think it's, you got, it really depends on the, in, in real life terms, I think, you know, the GMs are going to look back five years from now and say, why did we not take this guy? The teams that are in a bit of a rush are going to pass, but if you've got time on your side and you don't pass them, you're going to look like an idiot in a couple of years. But yeah, he's to me, he's number two. What what do you remember about when you know in the the limited time that Mitchkoff and Bedard actually played head to head in international play? Mitchkoff was the better player. Um, simple as that. Uh, watching him at kind of the U18s or uh, those other events, it just Mitchkoff was the top player at every tournament he's played at um, that I've seen him in, and he's one of just so creative, so skilled. Now you know doing it as a sixteen or seventeen year old against other sixteen seventeen year olds is different, but he went out this year and. and put up a ton of points and the worst team in the KHL basically got thrown in as a top uh, line player and like more than doubled the team's wins by the end of the season. Like you just don't see that from guys that age. It was one of the best under 18 draft years you've ever seen from a guy. It's a total shame that we did not get to see him play against Bedard more. The talent would have been great, but like he, he was the better player. I just flat out. Hey Steven, this has been so much fun. Oh, I lied. One more for you, just on the way up. Who was the biggest mover this year for you? Like who made the biggest strides as to where they are now in your rankings as opposed to Christmas or even the beginning of this season? Uh my previous my very first rankings, I don't think I had David Reinbacher in the top hundred. And I think uh most people did not. They're nowhere on anyone's rankings, and now he's most people's top defenseman. So I'm saying, you know, he's number seven, number eight. Great stuff. Well, listen, the uh, the mock is up right now at Daily Faceoff. Uh, fill people in on what you and the DFO team have coming into uh, Nashville in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so I'll be doing a lot of content coming up. Uh, obviously, I did want to guy on, got to have a couple more previews, uh, basically leading up to when we're in Nashville. Looking forward to that. Going to be doing a lot of shows, a lot of things, and draft time's fun time. Hey, Stephen, thanks a lot for doing this. Say hi to Frank and the fellas, and we'll uh, do this again soon. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. Good stuff there. Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff. Again, uh, the uh, WST at the NHL Draft, June 26th. It gets going, presented by CoolBet. Looking forward to that. Make a point of joining us all week long for both what's happening with the draft prospects as well as what we expect to be a very interesting and probably busy week for the Winnipeg Jets and the rest of the National Hockey League when it comes to deals. Uh, looking forward to having Kenny join us. In just a few minutes. Uh, but hey, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, get on down to one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca 
with local delivery options. Um, they also have Winnipeg's largest selection and assortment of local products too. With barbecue season here, get down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And hey guys, Father's Day is just around the corner. Men's health is top of mind. Check out Garden of Life, unique formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's at your local Vita Health Fresh Market. Empowering people to lead healthy lives, seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, Wallace and Wallace are busy helping Winnipeggers with their fencing and overhead door needs. They've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946 as the Winnipeg specialist in both categories. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or if Winter did a number on your old one, they've got vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood options. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Just give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, what's that closet looking like, fellas? Because summer is here, wedding season is here. If you need to up your menswear game heading into summer, get on down to F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, custom golf pants, shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, an incredible selection of menswear accessories. And if you are in a wedding party, make sure to talk to the gang at F about a 15% discount for you and the gang to get your suits from F Apparel for the big day. Uh, it's all there at 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more or make an appointment online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And a big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. I, I mentioned that they were on board with us from day one before we even did a show here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Days like yesterday make uh, us maybe appreciate that support even more. Um, but I know Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners love supporting them as well because it means you're getting one of those delicious, bl delicious blizzards or ice cream treats. All the new summer blizzard flavors are in right now. Pop down and see them at DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, or DQ Niverville. All right, it's Kenny time. Let's welcome in Weeb's World to Winnipeg Sports Talk for a little visit this afternoon. Weber, what's up? How are you, my man? Obviously, personally doing well, but uh, lots of thoughts for our colleagues around the country who were part of the massive layoffs uh, in the you know also this week and also earlier this week at The Athletic also uh, my former employer. So uh, certainly thoughts with a lot of our pals uh, around the country. We know that uh, it was a tough day for them. We've been in those shoes, Huss, and we know that those folks will uh, will do very well on the next chapter, but I uh, wanted to definitely start there. But yeah, doing great personally, Huss. Uh, fun week on the sports front. We got a little afternoon Blue Jays action. Uh, I stopped over at Breezy Bend today, said hello to Corey. They had a big event going on. I think the Miss Recordia tournament was going on today. Uh, the place was booming. The course was looking fantastic. And uh, certainly looking forward to getting out uh, to Breezy here in the next couple of weeks. The tour has been in full swing. A great day at Pine Ridge yesterday. And yeah, fun time of year. So uh, let, let's chop up some hockey because now we know the off season has officially arrived, Andrew. So, and again, too, I know you talked about it all week, but this is my, uh, this is my Nick Taylor uh, Canadiana tribute oh. here as the U S open gets going. So I know, and also, you know, 
no offense to Mr. Murray, who uh, also took care of a ring of his own, but, uh, you know, loving golf the way that we do. Uh, certainly enjoyed the 72 and a half footer. Uh, I love Jim Nance, but all that one needed Huss was a Marv Albert from downtown. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a little bit fitting as well. Uh, and we were not expecting the uh, Jim Nance mid mid celebration to be breaking into the, and Adam Hadwin has been tackled by a security guard. Uh, love the response by his wife uh, on Twitter to uh, all all kinds of fun uh, this week, us on the sports front. And yeah, it, it certainly figures to be a fascinating several weeks ahead on the docket, even though the uh, the hockey portion is no longer going to be played on the ice until September training camps are rolling around. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, listen, just back to what you originally said about all the layoffs yesterday. I, I, you bring it up, so I want to ask you this, because I yep. do know there's a lot of younger people that listen to this much like we did when we were younger, kind of aspiring to get into this space and into this industry. We have very different paths in getting to where we are right now. I mean, you did go to, you know, a journalism school and all that. I mean, Ken, when you get asked by young people about this industry and their future and making decisions on what they want to do because they want to do what you're doing right now, what do you tell them in 2023? Yeah, I certainly don't tell them not to chase their passion and pursue their dreams, but uh, I also do let them be known, let it be known that uh, you better have thick skin, Andrew. And uh, the thing that some folks may not like, the, the casual sports fan who doesn't follow the media industry as closely as as others, I think the most important thing is that uh, a lot of these layoffs have nothing to do with ability. Uh, and that sometimes I would suggest for people, almost all of them. Oh, exactly, exactly. And I, and I, I'm you know trying to be as tough to be generic, but uh, a lot of people who are at the top of their field uh, are involved in these layoffs, and that's something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to the casual observer. Um, that 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 I think is the most tough part about these sorts of things, but it also is a good reminder that just do the best you can and do the best you can to bounce back. It is a very tough time. Uh, our friend Claire Hanna posted or reposted uh, some advice to folks who are going through something similar, uh, you know, laid out uh, a lot of her own personal experiences and how tough it can be. Uh, it was tough uh, having been in those shoes, definitely could relate to a lot of the qualities she had been mentioning and, and how it can be tough mentally. But, uh, you know, a lot of the time we talk about it in sports too. It's something that can make you stronger and it's something where you, you can try to turn it into a positive and find something better. Uh, I was fortunate myself to land on my feet with a great company who was treating me well. But, you know, in terms of the pursuit, uh, Huss, uh, you know this yourself being in the industry, the, the sports industry and, you know, broader based media industry needs great great storytellers and if you are one of those or aspire to be one put in the work do the best that you can and hopefully there are opportunities for you and, and Huss you found out yourself personally and we've done it a little bit in our own space here with Kenny and Rennie I mean people want to connect with people who are following sports closely uh, I think it's opened up a bunch of different avenues that we didn't know existed I mean as little as three years ago Huss um, I think that one of the best parts of this online community that's growing both with uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk, Kenny and Rennie and, you know, Bonfire and the Legal Curve and all the all the local people that are, you know, Brandon too as well. Um, 
I think the community part is important. And if you're able to resonate and connect within the community, uh, it can take you in a lot of really enjoyable and fun places. And as you've already mentioned, going into the hit here, it's not possible without the support of the great sponsors who've gotten on board with the various uh, entities, if you will. And, you know, but if there's no, if there's no viewers and listeners, there's no show. So, I mean, that's the thing that uh, is also incredibly important here. And, you know, we're eternally grateful to the people who have supported us as well. And I think the beauty of this space is that it's really just starting to grow. Um, you know, we, we well, know. Well, that's the thing, Ken. Like, and, and, and this was something that was in a lot of ways the reason why I had the confidence that this mm-hmm. sort of a project would work is because the decision that was made by that company had absolutely nothing to do, or in fact, it was directly uh, in opposition to the demand for this type of content. I mean, that hasn't changed. If anything, I think as social media and information is more readily available, it creates more demand for more of that. And I mean, to me, this is uh, these are accountants making decisions. I mean, there is absolutely a way to make money and make livings and to have people it be sustainable. It just didn't get up to the level of that certain thing. And, you know, taking it into a more independent realm, as we've seen in a number of markets, and certainly a great example is right here with all the shows that you just mentioned. Like, I would argue that in a lot of ways, it's brought the listener and the viewer closer to the people that are delivering them the content. And at the same time, it's created new people to get involved. And if anything, I mean, it's stoke the fire for more demand on this because people can get it when they want. They can connect with people in a lot of other ways. And I mean, again, these decisions are made completely outside of the realities of the demand. Now there's dollars and cents to everything and you got to make it, you got to figure out a way to make it work that obviously didn't work for bell. But um, I'm sure you would agree. I and mean, we see it every day and we're certainly seeing it right now with so much interest in what the jets are doing in this off season. Um, it's not like they're shutting these things down because nobody cares. No, bang on. And, you know, we've been very fortunate in our market to see this great growth. And, you know, we're seeing it Edmonton with with our friends too, with uh, with Dusty and with Ryan Rashog, what he's been able to do uh, on those platforms. And, you know, other people are also expanding their wings, whether it's Steve Dangle and, and, and other people like that. So uh, I think that the passion is still there for the people that are creating the content and also for the listeners and the viewers. I think they can't get enough us. There's no doubt about that. And uh, it just can be a scary thing, right? Like the Leafs are the biggest, no matter what people want to say, and they can dump on them as much as they want. The Leafs are the biggest team in this country when it comes to hockey, Huss. And if the Leafs lunch can be canceled... Uh, that is something that sends some serious shockwave and replaced by syndicated radio. I mean, I'm sorry, but uh, folks in Toronto, they may enjoy Dan Patrick, but they want to talk about their personal teams and, and go from there. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a scary time. Hust is someone who works with for one of the big telecoms. When you see um, another com- company laying off people, as many as 1,300 people, it sets off some alarm bells. And hey, like uh, I'm not here to joke about this at all, but you know, when you see fellow athletic people getting clipped, it it, <laughs> it brings up some awfully, uh, awfully dark times. But uh, like I said, I've been fortunate to land on my feet after that. And you know, again, my case was rare. Us literally, I got laid off on a Friday, and by Tuesday, I had been able to accept. Uh, you know, it was only freelance. 
but it was a job with a one of the national networks. So, I mean, that that is a rare case. I'm very thankful for that. And um, I've worked incredibly hard in these last three years to help bring content to that company and to help, help you know, Sean and I and Colin are trying to plant that Sportsnet flag in what has historically been a TSN market. And us, what we're also seeing is that there's room for more than just the national people and the local. We know the local folks are doing incredible work here as well, whether it's TV or radio or newspaper print, uh, which is also transitioning towards online. So uh, we're just I think we're also very fortunate that our communities have been really receptive Hus, to what's been produced. But I think also, too, it as someone who's been in the industry for over 20 years, Hus, it's been incredible to watch the evolution, whether it was starting at the newspaper in 2000. And seeing newsrooms shrink, yet seeing these papers still produce incredible content, uh, that's something that I take pride in. I, I love the fact that I spent you know two decades in the newspaper industry, and I know there have been some challenges on those markets, whether it's travel or otherwise, but I know that the people who are working in those jobs in all of those fields in the media business are still putting out some incredible work, and, and that's that's something that is very, you know, both inspiring and liberating because... I want to keep continuing to produce content that people are interested in because I'm passionate about it. You know, when the Stanley cup gets handed out, it's still special to me. I still have those feelings I did when I was a kid and was hoping to be an NHL -er. uh, obviously got to the league in a different manner, but I love the fact I, I'm, I'm, I can't turn the TV off. I'm watching all the interviews and I'm watching people and I'm watching people get in the cup and hus one year ago or just over or just under a year ago, I was on the ice in, in Denver in Tampa Bay when the trophy was handed out and, and to see the joy uh, in their faces and know that it's a life's work. And, and, and that's part of the fun. Uh, the storytelling comes from, you know, you can tell a, a way better story when you're standing on the ice than if you're sitting at home at your desk. I mean, we know there are limitations happening on various fronts, but um, you know, the day that I'm no longer passionate about sports uh, you know, that's when I'll be ready to retire or hang them up or, or you know, hand off the baton to someone else. But for me, I still love what I'm doing and I'm fortunate to have a space and a great platform to be able to do that on, you know, multi levels. And uh, that's what makes me excited and about telling the stories that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks, because these are franchise altering moments in a community that is incredibly passionate about it and again i don't want to you know i'm going on this long trip to the buffet sorry i, I have the jays game in the background and they're just showing vegas Us, uh, a friend of ours or sent uh brian benowitz he sent me a, a text he's a huge golden knights fan but he has a great connection to winnipeg he sent me a call my first trip to vegas that first year i wrote a column where i was talking to fans and stakeholders about what it is like for vegas to have their own team, how the Vegas born started happening. And I understand that the golden Knights are not the, sometimes not the most popular team in our province, but they are often in other, that doesn't apply to Brandon in that area. But to me, Hus, the ability to see how that market a planted its own flag and B how they have continued to grow is a success story. And I get it. Some people long suffer. Oh, hey, long suffering, six years, boo hoo. Hey, this team has been to the conference final four times in six years and been to the cup twice. And now they will have the ability to put a banner up. Uh, it is not as traditional, quote unquote, as some of the other markets. It's one of the best fan experiences 
in the National Hockey League. Uh, people can say whatever they want about how the franchise is run, and at some times there has been a ruthless quality to it, us. But a lot of those people who are saying players are never going to sign or go to Vegas because they uh, disregard some of the most popular players in town – I don't hear a lot of that this week, Huss, yeah. when the trophy's being paraded around their town. And what I can also tell you is that I bet there's still 680 players who were like, man, I wish I were a part of that. So, you know, I, I tip my cap to the folks in in management and on the ice. Uh, I think the Vegas Golden Knights are, are a team that has done some things that are a little bit outside the box. Uh, and they built the best team. So there is no arguing this. This this year, they built the best team. They built the deepest team. They used a lot of resources, but they went out and identified needs. They wanted after, okay, after getting knocked out uh, by Dallas, by Montreal, the years that they struggled to score, they went out and identified the need for a number one center. They paid what it was willing to cost to get a number one center. They wanted another number one defenseman to go with the young guy in Shea Theodore. They signed the best guy available. It took big dollars. And yes, it was easier for Kelly McCrimmon to sign Alex Petrangelo because of the tax-free nature. Of course that's true, but he did it. So I, I think that they've done a great job. Kelly is an incredibly smart guy. I've known him for a long, long time, Huss, uh, dating back to his time in Brandon. Um, He's not afraid to make bold decisions. He made bold decisions. Some of them didn't work. A lot of them worked incredibly well. So, uh, you know, people can, you know, throw stones as much as they want. Kelly's got his name on the going on the Stanley Cup, and it's well-deserved. And there's a lot of other people in that organization with Manitoba roots, whether it's Vaughn mm. Carpin uh, on the pro side or Bobby Lowe's, who is a former Wheat Kings coach, and, and all the people there, including some of our friends who work on the broadcasting side. I mean, they've had a firsthand look. Gary had an unreal interview with Jeff Merrick yesterday uh, and classic Gary yeah, fashion. Yeah, he was completely there, banged there, up. From there, the... There's no chance he would have passed the breathalyzer. <laughs> and I applaud him for that because <laughs> Gary bet on himself. And that bet has come in. That was an absolute jackpot for him and Shane and the and the folks, oh. guys like Dave Gosher and the rest of the crew that went down there, Darren Millard joining them. Um, yeah, I mean, I salute those guys. And like I said, I think they built a great team. Um, you know, that's a long-winded way of saying a lot of things, but Vegas is like us. We've been to that rink. Look at, I've never seen it. Western Conference Final 2018 was unbelievable. Look at the the crowd of people at Toshiba Plaza. That was absolutely bananas for a game five and good on them to be able to celebrate. I think there are people in every market in the NHL, including the one where we work, us, that envision that and think man would it be fun to see that kind of activity and they're going to well, feel the same way when the parade happens on friday yeah well let's take this to the jets um and we'll talk about the individual situations in a minute mm -hmm. um but i mean listen with all the manitobans there in management with the manitobans that they've had and required in a number of different ways helping them win a stanley cup you cannot help but compare the winnipeg jets to the vegas golden knights in some ways and granted there's more challenges, I think we all agree, for Kevin Sheveldayoff in his job, in his location, than there is Kelly McCrimmon. But that's the way it is. This is also somewhat of a copycat league. How do you think the Knights' success winning the championship resonates within Jets' management? And what, what could or what should they maybe learn 
or take from Vegas if they want to get this thing straightened out going in the right direction and uh, you know maintain the opportunity or increase their opportunity of being that team in years to come. For sure, Huston. I'm just going to include Florida in here briefly because we talk about draft and development all the time. The Jets cannot abandon draft and development. That's not what I'm about to suggest here. But one drafted player for the Vegas School of the Knights, that's Nicholas Haig. Of course, it's different because it's only you know six drafts. But Florida only had three of their own draft picks in that. And one of them is Alexander Barkov, who is their probably their best all-around player with all due respect to Matthew Kachuk and his incredible journey. I think that something that often happens to teams, Huss, and it's understandable, teams fall in love with their own prospects and they fall in love with the ability to draft players. What both of those teams have shown us is that, yes, those players are vital to the, or, you know, vital to the process, but sometimes it's important to take a big swing. And this is, we all know that Kevin Sheveldayev is conservative and it's not like he hasn't taken some big swings. Some people can say many of them were forced and that's fine. But both of those teams made big swings when they felt they were in a position where they could go for it. And I think that is the thing that is going to be incredibly important. Even us, as we deal with these next three weeks and the players that are available, trades are part of the deal. Trades put teams over the top. You build from draft and develop, but sometimes those trades for those key pieces can put a team over the top. And that's not just acquiring a number one D and a number one defenseman. It's also going out and getting Ivan Barbashev at the deadline. You know what the Vegas Golden Knights didn't need in these Stanley Cup playoffs? Patrick Kane. With all due respect to Patrick Kane, who is obviously a Hall of Famer. Could Patrick Kane have ridden shotgun with Jack Eichel? Yes, but he doesn't bring the same skill set that happens to be vital in the playoffs at his age and with his hip issue, right? Barbashev is a guy who is not under the radar, but he was not looked at as one of the most important put-a-team-over-the-edge pieces. So to me, that's important. Us, you got to identify the guys in free agency and in trades that you want. It also sometimes starts with guys that aren't household names. Brandon Montour is one of the best 10 defensemen in the National Hockey League and was one of the top five defensemen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Brandon Montour is on his third team, Huss, right? He's on his third team. That means Anaheim gave up on him. It means Buffalo gave up on him. So sometimes players grow in their second and third stops, just like coaches do, right? A year ago, people were saying, oh, is Bruce Cassidy going to get another job? Oh, well, oh, the rumor mill says, well, Bergeron won't come back if Bruce is there. I mean, whether that's true or not, that was that was unfairly presented towards Bruce Cassidy. Well, you know what Bruce did, Huss? He took a bunch of phone calls. He chose the job that appealed most to him. And then he went out and got his name on the Stanley Cup. So it starts with leadership. Bruce is a great coach. The Jets did a great job in their coaching search too. Hey, the Jets had these people in mind. I don't know that Bruce ever got a formal interview, but the Jets were talking to guys like Jim Montgomery and Bruce Cassidy, right? So Rick Bonus came in, did a very good job. He had some challenges and he dealt with them as best he could, but now we know it's time to start moving on. And, and that's the big lesson. Sorry, back to the original question. People talked about the ruthless nature. Well, hey, six players are original misfits and all of those guys played an important role in this team, Huss. But if you look at other teams, only having six players left, that's a lot of turnover in a six-year span, right? So it's also part of the process and part of the journey. 
And that's why, too, I just think that I understand it's going to be a very challenging thing for Kevin Cheveldayoff to try to win all three of those trades unless there is a you know, package deal with two of them included. But it's time to pass the baton here. And that's to some of the guys who are internal, and it's also to some of the external candidates. Uh, that Those are part of the lessons that you need to learn. But us, the most important lesson from Vegas is their depth. They have the best defense core in the National Hockey League, and they have the deepest forward group. And I don't mean just the fact that they can play a fourth line that scored 38 goals between the three of them. Nicholas Waugh plays in the top six during the year. He was not exclusive to the fourth line. William Carrier led their team in game-winning goals, I believe. So, But this is a team that had five full lines and eight full D pairings, all of whom were, were not just Stanley Cup quality, but guys that are impact players when they play. Hey, we know it, and, and Kelly referenced this uh, in one of his interviews. And the Jets saw it. I think it was in game two. They totally swapped out their second pairing of McNabb and Theodore because of injury and illness and put in Ben Hutton and Braden Paschal, and they didn't miss a beat. It was like nothing else had happened, and then they moved White Cloud and Haig into the second pairing, and there was no drop-off. So the Jets, I think, at times this year, has did a better job of incorporating their fourth line but they still have work to do in order to get the depth on the fourth line hockey club. And here's the other part. Their top three lines are almost interchangeable. And it kind of became a bit of a running joke. Well, who's the top line? Well, Eichel's the top line center, but some nights the top line was Carlson and other nights the top line was Stevenson. So you need to build a team. And it was the fourth line that was always first over the boards to start the game. (laughs) Well, exactly. And they had the biggest impact in the closeout game uh, against the Dallas Stars. And, And that's the thing here. So... Uh, This is not to take the Jets off the hook because they were a no-show in the last game of the series. But three pretty damn good teams, Huss, looked like an absolute no-show in clinching games because the Vegas Golden Knights are a python. They squeezed the life out of all four teams that were in their way on the road to 16 wins. And like I said, that is not to take the Jets off the hook they basically made three other teams look as bad or worse in their own closeout games. And I don't think it was because those other teams quit either. So uh, I think the best team won this year. And I'm sure there's some people in Boston who would like to disagree, but those guys should have got out of the first round and given themselves a chance to get to the fourth round uh, if that's the case. And that will give them their own motivation, but long winded way of saying the jets need to be deeper and they need to, kind of widen things out a little bit. I think those are the big lessons here. Uh, but I think there's I, I also something to be said about having, and I, and listen, I completely agree with you that in a lot of teams, and I think especially here, maybe because of the nature of the challenges that they have, they have somewhat fallen in love with their players more than others and have been very hesitant on still being forced into making some of the moves that they've made. And that's a big reason why I had been talking about you know, maybe exploring the move of a move of Shifley, you know, right. in the last couple of years, because, you know, at some point it's going to happen. I didn't think he was going to be a lifelong Winnipeg Jet. And, you know, with what he'd been able to do, you know, just statistically and with what his contract was, <clears throat> like what would a Shifley at six million have gotten with parts of three seasons left on his deal? Anyways, all of that's in the past, and here we are right now. One year left on Shifley. The Dubois situation has been well-documented. One more year of team control. And Connor Hellebuck, 
who has um, told the Winnipeg Jets, presumably reportedly, that he's not signing an extension here with one year left. Those three players, Ken, when you look at it right now, uh, are, are there any teams that you specifically are interested in as sort of as it pertains to any one of those particular players? Because I think we all know that there's plenty of options right now for Kevin Sheveldayoff, but is there landing spots and potential returns that particularly intrigue you for any one of those big three? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously uh, we know that LA is a team of interest and I think LA might be a team of interest in all three players. They're going to have to decide what they think is the best outlet for them. Uh, I think it's not, uh, you know, not surprising that LA would be on the list for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think he makes sense in a lot of, on a lot of different levels. It's a team where I wondered openly about it as well. I think he makes uh, sense because of the nature of their roster construction with Andre Kopitar being one year out, Huss. Uh, Quentin Byfield is a player of interest for sure. Obviously, Gabe Velarde would be a guy who would be on the ask list. Sean Dursey is a right shot defenseman. I think he would bring a lot of value at 1.7. But there too, they're going to have to decide what they're doing in terms of finances. Can they offer a long-term deal to any of those three players, which is kind of potentially going to be a big ticket? I think all of them make sense for LA, uh, Dubois specifically. Um but there too, I mean, they're going to have to decide if they see him as a number one center. I think that, uh, you know, you can make the case for it, Huss. But so to this point, Pierre-Luc Dubois has played it more of a 1B or number two, number two center in terms of his production. Now he brings a lot of other things to the table, uh, not just the bull in the china chop mentality. The penalty is drawn, the penalty is taken, there's high engagement, but... Andre Kopitar outperformed Pierre-Luc Dubois last year. And yes, of course, one guy's 36 and one was 24, but one guy's also a Selkie Trophy winner and a perennial candidate. So uh, they're going to have to decide what what's the right dollar value. Uh, we talked about this last week. I mean, they're still, still being floated, and whether it's between 8.5 or 8.75 or 9 or north of 9, I mean, some teams may be willing and some are going to draw the line and say, hey, I think he's more value. He's more of the value of someone like Bo Horvat or a Dylan Larkin, right? So um, that's important. The the return is important. I think I think you're having Dennis, right? Dennis is on with you next, Huss, or yeah, um, yeah. DB is going to jump for, on for after me, this. We'll I remember talking Kings. with him on Byfield. I mean, Byfield's a guy who's interesting. I mean, people would say, oh, well, maybe they're not ready to give up on him yet. Well, that may be the case, but if you're if you're doing the sign and trade. A guy like Byfield's quality has to be in the deal because he represents all the things you've been talking about, Huss, about having a player with term, a guy who hasn't been able to shine yet. Uh, he still had a good year, solid, often playing with Kopitar, but not playing center. He's a guy who can play center, big body, a guy that has ceiling that has not been reached yet. So if LA is more in a win-now mode and they think Dubois is further along in the process, that's all fine and good. Because they've got to know. They've got to know for another four years. If they're sure. acquiring Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, well, and and this is, I was wanted to get to this because, of course, I mean, you work and listen to your colleagues, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. And I mean, I'll give Friedman the nod as probably the preeminent insider. When Friedman is talking about something, there's something to it. And he, you know, reported earlier this week that, you know, and, and you know, he put that on that insider way. I've got a feeling that the... LA Kings are ready to make a big, big push for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And then I hear Merrick today talking about the options for the Winnipeg Jets, and he still is sort of, or at least my 
um, my interpretation of what he had to say is he's still sort of thinking that it's Montreal and then everyone else and that, you know, there might not be, there still could be the possibility of them getting him for nothing as a free agent in a year. Um, what do you make about those two maybe contrasting messages? And of course the background that has been reported that Pat Brisson is trying to broker a sign and trade. Um, where are you at on all that? Cause I think that is the most important information for Jets fans. With you're expecting how this kind of plays out. If there's a number of options and it will be a sign and trade. I mean, I would assume that that means probably a better return for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I mean, only Dubois and his camp know for sure, Huss. I mean, it, do you, I, we talked about this last week. I don't see Pierre-Luc Dubois getting $9 million from the Montreal Canadiens. Caulfield didn't get it, neither did Suzuki. I mean, it would be odd to try to convince Caulfield to say, hey, we can't go above Suzuki. And then on the next player that comes into town, even though, yes, he is a French-Canadian and, yes, he is a centerman, I mean, well, that's they are, a, they are, the, the one thing is, though, you can justify a little bit more in that you're buying all UFA years. I mean, that wasn't the case in the Suzuki deal, and that wasn't the case in the coffee deal. And, and that's important to note because buying RFA years and buying UFA years are very different when it comes to the economics of the NHL. Sure, but it's still, you're going to have players with hard feelings, Huss. No matter, you can't just say one thing. I mean, again, we don't know what Ken Hughes is saying to those players. And hey, if Cole Caulfield took a little bit less because Ken Hughes said, hey, I need a million of that money to get Pierre-Luc Dubois here, then that's all fine and good. But Huss, we saw it here. It, it was like the unofficial salary cap when the Jets extended players, whether it was Ehlers, Morrissey, Connor, no one was going above Blake Wheeler. So there was an internal cap with the captain. And that's why I say it would be a hard sell for Kent Hughes to be saying, hey, by the way, uh, we're going to bring in a guy who hasn't had more than 63 points. And I'm not knocking 63 points. It's a good year. But Pierre-Luc Dubois hasn't produced the type of number one line center production that even Mark Shifley has for six years in a row, Huss. That's not to say that he can't do it. He's been a point-of-game player in the first half of the year in each of the last two seasons before those numbers faded a little bit down the stretch. So uh, I just think it's complicated. And it's also complicated in terms of what Pierre-Luc Dubois wants. Does he want to be in Montreal? Is that If that's the only thing that matters to him, well, then that is going to be the deciding factor. I think he'd be open to a place like LA. He's a guy who likes fashion. He likes, he likes a big city. And here's the thing, Huss. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois, as much as he enjoys parts of the spotlight, I think he would love the anonymity of playing in LA where he can go to a Lakers game and people don't even know who he is. They don't recognize him. They're not bothering him in Montreal. Huss, it's going to be TMZ central. Oh, yeah, I'm you're sorry. Signing up for something. I'm a sorry. Whole another the, level. Exactly. And I personally, like I said, this has been purely Dubois has been very professional. I think he's been very available. All of those things. I don't pretend to know what makes Pierre-Luc Dubois tick. I have not spent enough time with him to get a good vibe on what's important to him. Maybe he would embrace playing at home. Sure, that could be great. But I also think there are some serious things that would give a person pause that would be turning 25 years old. And when it comes to the level of coverage in that town and the amount of pressure on those type of players. And if it is Montreal or bust, this is some unsolicited advice, Huss, so we don't have to go into relitigation later, which I loved your word throughout the course of the week here. If I'm Pierre-Luc Dubois, 
I am talking to Jonathan Drewan about his personal experience before I even entertain the thought of going to Montreal and cashing a check for the next eight seasons, even if it is life-changing money. And again, these are totally different situations, except for two big things. They're both French-Canadian players who were top three picks, went to their home and had a chance to play in their home province. Now, a lot of that is great, but there are some other pitfalls that come with it. And I think it would be important for that to be explored before uh, he decide, ultimately decides on what road to take. But uh, for me, I think it's fascinating. Would I handicap it between LA and Montreal? I can't. I, I can't pretend to. Uh, I personally think the better fit for him, if he'd like to win a Stanley Cup in the next three years, would be LA. They're way closer to a Stanley Cup right now. They have most of the pieces in place. But ultimately, they have to also decide... Uh, where those things are at. And Hus, for me, just the last one on that LA subject. The other thing, as you mentioned, because LA has guys like Kopitar and Dano, I'm curious if a guy like Shifley fits in there better on a shorter term plan because you have guys playing the defense on that team and you can just go out and be a point producer. Whereas Dubois would be more of a two-way force. It would be what they're looking for there. But uh like I said, I don't have a great feeling in terms of handicapping which direction those guys would go in terms of whether it be Montreal or LA or some mystery team that would be out there. I could make a case for both of them. But for me, if I'm Dubon, and I want to win, I'm looking at LA right now and, and there too. Then now it just comes down to the package and, and what LA would be willing to give up and what they'd be willing to pay Dubois. Because there too, I don't... I'm not 100% certain they would want to go 9 million or above. I could see them comfortable at 8 or 8.5. That's what they're floating out there. He's not getting 9. I, I think we can safely yeah, I don't say see that's it. I mean, not happening. Um, but again, if you don't ask, you don't get, and you got to have a starting spot, and Pat Brisson kind of knows what he's doing. So for sure. I'll leave that with him when it comes to maxing out what he's going to get for his guy. Kenny, always great having you on the program. Uh, keep him straight and in the fairway, and enjoy the U.S. Open. Yeah, thanks, my man. Enjoy the weekend. And uh, Dennis, I missed seeing you at the Cup this year. I missed all those dinners and good times. And uh, I am going to stay on the line and hear your thoughts on Byfield. I know we've talked about him briefly before, but I'm curious if those thoughts have changed over the last calendar year. Good stuff, Weaver. There he is, Ken Weave. Give him a follow at Weeb's World. Uh, yes, Dennis Bernstein, fourth period, is coming up. Just before we do that, don't forget a week today, Back at IG Field for Game 3 in the second home game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And if you're heading to the game, make sure you get to the Princess Auto tailgate zone before the game. So much going on. Great entertainment. $5 beers, $3.50 pop, $3.50 hot dogs. It is the place to be with an incredible atmosphere before each and every Bomber game. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue and Gold, the Gold Eyes, and Winnipeg Sports Talk and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Our friends at Consolidated Supply uh, are the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and of course, new and used golf carts. If you do have uh, issues where you need to irrigate your property, do what the 
top golf courses in Manitoba do and give our pal Joe a call over at Consolidated Supply. Uh, but they do also have new and used golf carts, great deals, as well as other vehicles of this sort. As the club car dealer in Manitoba, not to mention other awesome options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options, not to mention the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Popeye and see Consolidated Supply at their new showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niaqua Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Um, I did mention yesterday they got another tent sale coming up at Royal Sports on the weekend. Now, this is not a full weekender. This is a one-day tent sale for Royal Sports and Kings on Saturday from 11 a.m. or sorry, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. 2,000 pairs of shoes are in the tent. Uh, there is going to be a ton of um, a, a ton. All shoes in the tent are 25 bucks, every single pair. So there you go, folks. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. this Saturday. Tons of Vans, Adidas, Converse, New Balance, DC, and more. Over 2,000 pairs, all at 25 bucks. It starts at 10 a.m. Get there early for the best deals. Down at Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. And just before we bring in Dennis, tomorrow's going to be a fun night to get out to a Boston pizza with the fellas and set up in front of all the screens because, of course, we've got late-night golf from down in L.A. at the U.S. Open in prime time. And, of course, the Bombers are taking on the Riders as well. No better place to get together with friends for the big game than your local BP. Ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and more. And the latest from the BP feature menu. And, heck, if you're staying in tonight, tomorrow, or any night, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, the cup has been handed out we are officially into the NHL offseason. No better time to bring in our guy, Dennis Bernstein, from the fourth period back to Winnipeg Sports Talk. DB, how are you? How was your Stanley Cup travels? It looked like you and uh, Dave had a pretty good time. <laughs> That's part of it, Hustler. It's not just the coverage. And when you do a pregame show, you don't have to worry. Well, we do post games for actually Bojog. A tough travel coast to coast, but we're, wish there was more drama in not only the Cup final, but the conference finals. There wasn't a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot of drama, but uh, it was a late night the other night in Vegas for the Golden Knights. They wound up at Caesars with the cup, as some people I'm sure saw been partying at Omnia. Uh, but uh, the second, you know, the off season starts now. It was, uh, yeah, it was somewhat anticlimactic. But I think when we knew going into Game Five that there was no Matthew Kachuk for Paul Maurice and the Panthers, that that was going to be a tall, tall task to try to get the one back and uh, back to South Florida. And, it was very clear that the Vegas Golden Knights were ready to transition from the battle for the cup to the celebration for the cup. And uh, they certainly did not let up throughout that 60 minutes in game five. Yeah, no, clearly the best team. And really, you had your best, maybe he's not the best player, but his highest paid player not score a goal in the last two rounds and you win a cup relatively easy. Shows you how great this team was. And they are a great team. Bruce Cassidy leaned into the strength, depth. In game three, the one game that, the Vegas Golden Knights lost. Chandler Stevenson was a minus three. He had scored one goal, I think, in seven games. The next game, he scores two goals. What Bruce didn't do, when White Cloud and Haig had a bad game three, he didn't bench them. He didn't reduce their minutes. He kept playing them the same way, and it was just a true team effort. Marcia so certainly deserves to win uh, the, the Conn Smythe because voters love goals, Hustler. Uh, but Jack really came through. Well, all the doubt is about Jack. He's a dog. He's a cancer in the room. He's too expensive. 
he showed everybody what type of player he was in this cup final and throughout the Stanley Cup run. He certainly did. Now, I, you know, before we get to the Jets and Kings in particular, I yeah, do sure. want to ask you, Dennis, as someone that's followed this league for a long time, we all know the pro sports is somewhat a copycat league. And uh, right now, the blueprint for a championship squad is there in Las Vegas with the Vegas Golden Knights. This team had one drafted player in their roster when they raised the cup in game number five. How do you think that resonates with general managers around the year, around the league? We've heard how difficult it is to make trades, and legitimately it is more difficult with the hard cap in the season. Um, but do you think that this may push some other general managers to be a little bit more aggressive? And might that mean a little bit more player movement, at least in the short term over the next couple of weeks, considering what we've just seen the Vegas Golden Knights do to build that championship squad? Yeah, you know, you talk about analytics, Kustler, but you, you need scouting. Like Michael Amadio didn't do anything in Los Angeles. Brett Howden was nothing in, in New York. You have to find players that are going to fit a certain role. So I think it has a lot to do with even Tampa. Like Tampa had a core four, but there's 20 guys on a team. So they had to trade for guys. They had to trade for a uh, 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 play Coleman, right? They had to go find a Yanni Gord as an as a unsigned free undrafted free agent it's not that easy hustler even with look edmonton has their challenges why they have the two greatest players in the league in connor leon and they can't find the right combination of players to win a championship you have to be able to move pieces in and out but you're right look at mark stone it was that a gamble yeah mark stone had two back surgeries jack eichel was a huge risk you just you know and I, i certainly hear it here in los angeles about oh you gotta you can't trade you gotta draft and develop you can't trade assets come on stop it like you need a core look did the tra- Kings trade for Justin Williams did they trade for Marion Gabrick did they trade for Jared Stoll and Matt Green of course they did and that was Dean Dean Lombardi was not a good drafter and they didn't develop a lot of players he was one hell of a trader and I think that's the lesson you learn and you learn it look where they're risking in Vegas absolutely at the start of the season this was the season like if Vegas didn't go deep. You say McCrimmon and McPhee were on the hot seat, you know, because Bill Foley had that great prediction cup in six years. Hustle, you have to. You just I get it, you need assets, but you have to go be able to scout other teams and acquire players that will help you win a championship. Even with the teams like Colorado and Tampa, they made a bunch of trades to, to develop that roster. And you have to do that if you're gonna win a cup. Uh Dennis, let's talk about the team that you follow most closely, the Los Angeles Kings, because the Kings are a very intriguing team heading into the next couple of weeks. Yep. And we've certainly heard smoke and interest in a number of players here in Winnipeg from LA. How would you categorize the um the need and the desire for the Kings to shake things up and add some preeminent players to help them win now? Also, they had about $10 million more in cap space. Maybe they acquire all three guys, but they can't. <laughs> that, that's the problem. And let, let's talk about Dubois. Right? If, if Columbus wanted uh, a younger players, they wanted a futures package, Dubois would be in Los Angeles. It was as simple as that. But they wanted Lonnie, and that's, and that's why the trade was executed. So back a couple of years ago, there was interest in this player, acute interest in this player. Is it now? I don't know. If you had Kopitar... Pierre, Luc Dubois, and uh, Phil Deneau as one, two, three. Could you get out of the West? You probably could. Uh, but they need a goaltender. Like they just have Phoenix Copley, and they signed uh, the Portillo kid out of Michigan. That's their depth right now. 
Is that good enough? I don't know. Aiden Hill won a championship. Maybe Felix Copley's good enough, but they do need another goalie. So, yes, there was interest back in the day. Another, If if Keck went a different direction, he PLD would be in Los Angeles. Does it make sense right now? It depends on one thing. What you believe uh, Quinton Byfield will be. If he's going to be continue to be a three-goal scorer, which was kind of embarrassing for him, um, then, yeah, you make that trade. If you do think he's going to blossom, and look, he's 20 years old. I'm not off the wagon. Have I been critical of Quentin Byfield? Yeah, I expect more. He's a second overall pick. He's playing with Kopitar. Kopitar does like playing with him. So I, I know the big thing. Look, I love Mark Shifley. Do I think you could fit him in here? Absolutely. Is there risk involved? Sure there is. But you know what, Hustler? You got to take risks at this point in time. And there's no bigger – I went through my old tweets from two years ago, and one guy tweeted at me, if Rob Blake traded Byfield and Turcotte for Jack Eichel, he should be fired immediately. Well, if he did that, maybe they want a cup and maybe he got out of the West. So there's risk involved. I think Dubois would fit because he's 24 years old and the Kings are in a situation where they have a group of young players like that. Like he's only a year and a half older than than Gabe Velarde had a great season. So I'm not sure because I think their first uh, job one was to get Gavrikov signed without question. The second job should probably be another goaltender, a quality goaltender. And if there's space to do that, fine. I will tell you this, though, Pat Brisson and Luke uh, Robertai are really good buddies. Do I think they're talking about a deal like that? Probably. So we'll see. He would fit here, but again, it's the cost involved. And the other issue is because Byfield isn't the same. He's, he's, he doesn't have the same value as a second overall pick now because he really hasn't performed with snuff. Yes, they talk about his analytics, and yes, he played well. He's going to be able to score goals in this league if you're a top six player. You know, they're not going to trade Brent, Brent Clark. He's the future for them. So what is a Turcotte? You know, they traded their first round pick to get Gavrikov. I don't think they have the assets to pull that deal. That's the question, Hunter. Mm-hmm. Not if they want him or not. I think that because they traded for uh, Kevin Fiala and they traded for Gavrikov, I'm not sure they have the same value assets that you know that Chevy would want for that player. You know, as far as Byfield goes, he's a guy that you know I had identified. I don't know a couple months on this program when we were talking about well, what sort of player would the Winnipeg Jets be looking for? And for Winnipeg, because of the unique challenges to the market. They need to get guys that aren't yet at the spot where they've got no trade clauses to put Winnipeg on it, but also have some team control. And Byfield sort of stood out in a player that hadn't yet popped at the NHL level, but obviously has a ton of talent and lots of potential as a very, very young player. Uh, What is Quinton Byfield right now? And for folks that maybe haven't seen him as much, I mean, how far is the delta in between what he could be and what you saw from him in his second year as a pro after going number two overall. I would say percentage-wise, he's probably 50%. Because he's not overmatched when he's on the ice. And if Kopitar didn't want to play with him, he wouldn't be playing with Kopitar. So he likes him. So he could, he's a little bit of more toughness. He's big. He's rangy. He does have speed. Um, his hockey IQ still needs to be developed. But again, he's 20 years old. So they're not giving up on him and stuff like that. But when you're at that level and you're playing half the season, you have to score more goals. And he knows it. And it's funny because of the uh, availability at the end of the season, Hustler, I asked where his future was. And Tom McCollum said he's a forward. I said, center or left wing? Because he played left wing with Kopitar. He goes, he's a forward. I don't even know if they know. Now, he turns into another left wing. Like, look, there was a guy in L.A. who I criticized a lot. And he was a 12 to 14 goal scorer. And all of a sudden, Adrian Kempe became a 40-goal scorer. If Byfield's not a center and he stays on left wing and he could get 25 to 30 with Kopitar and Kempe, they can get out of the West. 
Can he do that now in the short term? I haven't seen enough offense from him. Also, and maybe it's a situation where he needs to go to be the guy. Right? He's not the guy here. If he went to Winnipeg, would he be the guy if Sheffley left? Yeah, you know, Sheffley left or whatever. Yes, he would. Well, they needed um, to play center yeah. too, because I mean, you're yeah. talking about the potential of losing Dubois and Dubois, Sheffley yeah. this summer. Yeah. I mean, and it could be exactly what a young player like that needs: a fresh, clean slate in a spot where they're going to get far more opportunity than they may have in their previous spot with the potential to turn into being the guy. Um, But again, there's a lot of pressure that comes with being traded for a player like that as well. Is it safe to say, though, Dennis, right now, that Byfield would almost have to be on the table and they would consider that if they're talking about acquiring any of this big three Winnipeg Jets players that are at the top of everyone's trade target list right now? Yeah, if I'm if I'm Chevy, I have to say that it has to be because you you're right. You want a replacement player for that who's controllable. That that's what you want. And what that's about the, from a King standpoint, though? I mean, would they? Do you think that they? It, I mean, if they knew that yeah. they were going to take this swing for a player, players that are very much established, okay. that they'd be yeah. willing to move a player like that despite his young age and potential. Here's the differentiator: the age. PLD's 24. Like Shifley's what 30. So's so's Hellebuck. That's a differentiator. So I think if you would trade Byfield, you'd want a guy who you assume you're going to sign long term, like, you know, Scheif and and, uh, and Hullabuck are that, that's a more risky deal. So I think that would be the one player they'd be willing to go. I don't think they're going to give up Brand Clark because they already traded Sean Walker um, to, to move out some space on the right side. But yeah, I think PLD is the only player that the Kings would be willing to trade for, uh, trade Byfield for at this point. Uh, um, Sean Dursey is another player that, you know, we've heard mentioned. I mean, tell us about Dursey. What? He's 24 years old. He's got yeah. one more year at 1.7 and then will be an RFA with arbitration. Um, is that a player that might, they might be willing to move and, uh, what sort of an asset do you categorize him as Dennis? Yeah. He's like a second asset in this trade. He can play both sides. See, I, I give Sean Dursey a lot of credit. First of all, a really good creator, quality kid. Guy's got some jam. He's not afraid to stick his nose in the scrum, which is good because this team isn't the biggest or more, most physical team. So that aspect of his game is good. He's not the great, greatest defender, so you're going to have to play him with a rock-solid defenseman. But he'll add – he can maybe quarterback your, your first power play, definitely do your second power play. He'll add some offense. I really like the kid. I, I got to know him over the last couple of years. He's uh, Is he valuable? Yeah, he is because he can play both sides. And they, here's what happened last season. Sean Walker was supposed to be the left defenseman on the second pair. And they put him in there. He was coming off major knee surgery. Ten games in, they knew it just was going to work. And Sean was pressed into action to go on the left side, a relatively new position, never played at the NHL level. It took time, but he quitted himself well. He's a valuable asset. He's probably a third-pair defenseman on the Kings right now because you have the top four. You have Gavrikov, Roy, Dowdy, and Anderson. But he's a really good third-pair defenseman. On a lesser team, maybe a second-pair defenseman. So would he have value in the trade? Absolutely. Are they looking to trade him? I don't know. Because they need the cap space right now, that's a, that's a value contract right now because he does contribute offensively. Uh, Dennis, PLD will need a new contract. And yeah. you know, if we're talking about a sign-and-trade, let's just say that they floated the $9 million out as the high number. Let's say it comes in at around eight. Um but you would have that cost certainty. What is more attractive and what would I think be more a priority for the LA Kings? Dubois on a sign and trade long-term deal or Hellebuck with one year left on his deal at 6 million, which is far more manageable. Uh, and then obviously the potential of re-signing him afterwards. And of course, Kopitar's number would be off the books. Although I, 
would imagine he probably sticks around in L.A. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's going to stick around. The need would be goaltender, right? Do they really need a third center? Yeah, they could. Again, it goes back to Byfield. What's Byfield? Like, if Byfield becomes a number two center, because right now he's the third best center on the team. Right? He's not better than Kopartar. He's not better than Phil Deneau, right? So third center. So, yes, they, they have a need for goaltender. I would swing for Helva, me personally, because, you know, you can't look three years down the road. Like, you got to look about next year. And here's the other thing. Like, this team needs to get past Edmonton. And you saw it in the playoffs. Corbisella was good in, in the regular season. He was not good in the playoffs. I go back to game four, the Evander Kane tying goal, and then the Zach Hyman game when they went through his elbow. I don't think they're going to re-sign him. The more acute need is goaltending at this point in time. But somebody could debate me and say, well, you know, did Vegas have great goaltending? Where was Aiden Hill from? Could they go? Could they sign a Freddie Anderson? That's the that's the other thing. They could go trade for PLD and then maybe sign a veteran like Freddie Anderson on a cheaper deal to make that happen. I like Hellebuck. I think you want to put him in there. He would probably be cheaper from an asset standpoint. But again, that's six. You, the only way this team could probably acquire Hellebuck, Hustler, is a three way deal. Something creative where somebody could take like what they did with the Gavrikov deal and, the, uh, and with the Provorov trade. Have somebody take a little bit of cap space to fit them in. I don't see how they can fit a $6 million goaltender in here, even for one year. It, that would be very, very difficult. You could offload a guy like Alex Iafalo or Trevor Moore. That's a possibility as well. But then the team's weaker at this point. So I I absolutely would go for Hellebuck. I just don't see the mechanics of making that deal. It's probably easier to do, to do PLD, to be honest with you, because you might be able to offload some assets. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, listen, it's fascinating in these next couple yes. weeks around particularly the Winnipeg Jets, but teams like the LA Kings are going to keep all of us on our toes. Are you and the fellas going to be down in Music City in a couple weeks? Oh, yeah. We wouldn't miss that for the world. I'm going to be there five days. I'll need a third liver when I'm done, given well, uh, what we did at the Cup Final and what's going to go down in Nashville. So well, it's going to be Remo a lot of fun. and I will be there. I'll look forward to oh, seeing fantastic. you in person, my friend. We'll uh, get together for a cold one or two outside yeah. of work responsibilities. Well, maybe inside of work responsibilities, Huff. You never know with us. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy, Dennis. Thanks so much for your time. Always a pleasure being on Winnipeg Sports. So thanks for the time. Appreciate Great stuff. It. There it is. Our guy, Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. Um, let's see here. We got to get to uh, see what's going on tonight with our cool bet lines. Uh, but I did also want to say, folks, our friends at Little Brown Jug, have a great new program happening on Saturday. So if you're sticking around this in the city, go and check out the new pop-up series, What's Golden, at Little Brown Jug and their great new patio. Little Brown Jug and Shorty's Pizza have teamed up to bring new food and new GJs to the LBJ patio every Saturday from noon until sunset. From jerk chicken to brisket, we'll be grilling up something new and exciting every week, courtesy of Shorty's Pop-Up Kitchen. This weekend... They're featuring the Cubano sandwich. <clears throat> Sounds amazing. The vegan picadillo, Cuban corn salad, and uh, DJs will be DJ Ad Hoc with MC Love and Wanda G. Spend your Saturdays in the sun on the LBJ patio where you can enjoy all your favorite beers from day to night at our little urban oasis in the heart of the exchange. And don't forget, 1919, now available at Bomber Games, and of course, 1919, generic lager, and... Tap beers from Little Brown Jug available craft beer corner when you're heading out to see the Gold Eyes. Speaking of the Gold Eyes, Andrew Collier is going to join us uh, tomorrow on the program. We'll sort of take a look ahead to next week and everything going on around the club last night. Team's still struggling a little bit on the road. Definitely after that tough home series against Kansas City, looking to get back on track and 
Hopefully the schedule will be a little kinder to the Gold Eyes and they can get a bit on a bit of a run. But we'll check in with the fish tomorrow with Andrew Collier on the program. And again, you can check out goldeyes.com for information on everything coming up, group tickets and more to make your plan to get out to the ballpark and enjoy what summer is all about here in Winnipeg. Speaking of summer and what it's all about, cannot wait to get out to Aikens Lake later on this summer. Aikens Lake, the perfect getaway for Manitoba businesses. If you're thinking about a corporate event, you've been Zoom meetings for three years. How about get face-to-face in a boat with the phones off and uh, get a little piece of Manitoba paradise out at Aikens Lake. Find out more at AikensLake.com. There's nothing like the Aikens experience and as great as the world-class fishing is, the hospitality even better. AkinsLake.com is the website. And <clears throat> you can hit Pit Turan up at Akins Lake on Twitter for questions about availability or booking. S- small amount of availability were left this year, but they're already booking in to 2024. Um, and uh, just before we get Remus in here and get to the cool bet lines, let's do a little uh, look at the US Open for a little golf report, courtesy of our friends at Breezy Bend. Uh, of course, Breezy Bend, very proud that they're one of their members, Mark Stone, is the Stanley Cup champion. I'm sure Mark's going to be bringing that cup by Breezy at some point this season. How about this, though? Leading the way at seven under par through 15 holes, none other than Ricky Fowler. Ricky's had a real strong season. He is back. He's competitive again. He's had a ton of top 20s. But what a start down at LACC for Ricky Fowler at seven under par with three holes to go. Second is Xander Shoffley, California kid himself, six under par through 14. Then there's a bit of a gap, but some big names tied for third. Bryson DeChambeau and Scotty Scheffler tied for third right now. Another hometown kid, Max Homa, is at two under par through 15 holes. And looking down, Corey Connors, top Canadian right now on the leaderboard. He is one under par playing the 17th hole. Uh, Again, big thanks to Breezy for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Check out breezyben.ca for more information on getting on the waiting list for next year at the home of the champions. All right, let's get Remus back in here. And uh, Remo, really interesting chat with Dennis Bernstein and... um, you know, I know when we talked about the potential of Quinton Byfield being on the trade block earlier, there's many people around the team that said it was a non-starter. Certainly feels a little different right now that it's not necessarily a non-starter, but he would be a key asset in acquiring one of a Pierre-Luc Dubois or a Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, I think so. And uh, we're getting Dennis's insight on if there's a trade, you could say we would just play the little fantasy Hockey here, just brainstorming if there is a match to be made. I did enjoy the little tidbit that Luke Robitaille, the assistant GM there, no, sorry, he's president in in L.A., he's the the front office, and uh, his relationship with Pat Brisson, that does make sense. And it was Marat who uh, wrote in his column today at The Athletic that uh, L.A. is, in fact, one of Dubois' preferred destinations, and I think there is the pieces there for a match to be made. It was interesting that Dennis noted that, hey, you know, they already traded for Fiala, but they traded some stuff for Arvidsson as well. They traded for Gavrikov. Like, do they really want to keep trading? But uh, they are right there. And it was funny to hear him say, look, someone suggested him if, you know, he trades, what, Turcotte and Clark for Eichel, he should be fired. Well, 
maybe they do beat Edmonton <laughs> if they do that trade. So, you, you know, you don't want to clutch your prospects too tightly here, Hus, but we spent so much time talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois, and we this is the channel of Dubois drama. We had the logo. We had the 3D spinning logo. But we do have the uh, musical stinger just to end off this Dubois drama. Oh, and, oh let me hear it. So yeah, this is you've never heard this. This is Tristan Rivers putting this together. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is breaking news on WST. Well, We've got we spent so much time on Dubois. Like people are, you know, we have I think we have over four hundred people in here, but people are like, you know, Dubois, Dubois, Dubois. Well, this is think, the world premiere of a new WST jam from Tristan Rivers. Yeah, it's not a you know it's not a full length track, but. Uh, Know, something just to cap off the, the Dubois discussion. Yeah, we're going to need that sounder probably every day for the next two weeks up until the end of the shows down in uh, Nashville when presumably we'll get to the finish line on this. But um, I wouldn't at all be surprised if tomorrow <clears throat> we hear, maybe even later today, that the Jets have uh, filed for team-elected arbitration um, just to avoid the potential of an offer sheet um, if something doesn't get done over the next little bit. Um, shout out to Tristan Rivers music <laughs> for that. And you had to love the pictures in the background, uh, the, what he did. I think that's Candace's work on the, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll pull it up. So this, yeah, like I think this is like the, when he drew himself, he sent me, uh, like the either Jets. that or either that or drawn by one of his teammates. Yeah. It's like a drawing of the stash him. is hilarious. And like, it's his, Attempt of drawing the Jets logo, I think. Uh, she sent it to me, so. Oh, the creativity of Tristan and of Candace. Uh, we can't thank them enough for their contributions here on uh, WST. Um, <laughs> well, that's it for Dubois Drama today. Tune in tomorrow for more Dubois Drama and the rest of the NHL. And you mentioned Marat. Marat's been away for a little bit, but Marat will join us tomorrow. And I know, Remo, there's a lot of people very much looking forward to Marat's takes on all of this, the latest he's getting from his athletic counterparts, of course, who had that first report about you know looking at a sign and trade and more teams than just the Montreal Canadiens being available and we're also going to have Craig Button on the show who will certainly have some takes on the Winnipeg Jets situation when it comes to all these top players as well as a preeminent draft analyst I cannot wait for tomorrow's show yeah I'm very excited for tomorrow oh Tristan confirms so this was Kyle Connors drawing of Dubois Yes. And Dubois' drawing of the Jets logo. Just to confirm. <laughs> Thank you, Tristan. Amazing. So, yeah, Kai, if you're on the podcast, uh, got to come into the YouTube portion here. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. And also check it check it out, too. Hey, speaking of hitting the likes, we've got <clears throat> still, uh, you know, well over 300 people in here and only 179 thumbs up. If you can, it helps us spread the channel. Hit that like button, the thumbs up. And if you haven't already, hit the red subscribe button. Do that. And uh, 
Even if you're not able to join us at 1 p.m. live when we're on the air, you'll get into YouTube afterwards. And the latest Winnipeg Sports Talk content will be there conveniently for you, ready to go. And, of course, it is completely free. Uh, Here, let's one get thing to... I'll add on that, too. I yep. know you want to move on to the lines, but someone asked us, um, you know, our plans were going to be in Nashville for the draft show to cool bet as we get to the lines. But I imagine we're going to have a lot of content aside from the live show that we just threw out there. So if you do want to get updated on that, you will want to hit the subscribe button. And also the notification bell beside will give you a little uh, buzz or a little alert thing on your YouTube that, hey, you know, we got something new. I I imagine we could be uploading stuff anytime. Uh, I mean, we haven't haven't done this before. This is our first time on the road together. So I'm excited to see uh, what content opportunities uh, present itself. Yeah, for sure. And actually, it's a great reminder to put that notification on. Uh, turn your notifications on because, I mean, I'll tell you what. I mean, if one of these trades breaks at 7 or 8 o'clock at night and we're there with a bunch of people, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we end up um, just firing things up and going live at that point. So um, if you have your notifications on and we go on at any other point other than when we're on, you'll get it there and you'll also have the latest information um, for, uh, you know, things that are recorded and put up, you'll know it first and can get right on. And again, great, great logo for the guys for WST at the NHL draft. It all starts on June 26th brought to you by cool bet. And speaking of cool bet, let's get to it. Uh, get your lineups in tonight. CFL DK folks, because we do have a game tonight. It's the Calgary Stampeders and the Ottawa Red Blacks beginning the week here in the CFL. Ottawa, a six and a half point underdog. Calgary, six and a half point favorites. I guess someone has to win this one, Reem. I was doing the daily pick for Kubet today and I had a real tough time on this one. I ended up leaning on the home dog and taking the six and a half points. It's because Calgary did not look good at all. Ottawa is, though, on a short week. Calgary losing Kadeem Carey. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure the way Calgary played last week, they should be favored by six and a half against anyone. Um, uh, but man, Nick Arbuckle didn't look very good uh, yesterday. And one of these teams is going to be 0-2 at the end. And Ottawa certainly will look to try to win their home opener and, you know, get to 500 awaiting the return of Jer- Jeremiah Masoli. Not surprised Calgary's the favorite. Did not think they'd be favored by this much. Yeah, you know what? That's fair. I guess if you want to take the home dog, you could. I don't have confidence in Nick Arbuckle's ability to get it done. That is a big number, though. I think Calgary wins. Do they win by a touchdown? Uh, I would probably, I don't know if I could take Ottawa, Huss. I don't think I could do it. I, I'm curious if we have the record last year from the West versus the East. We oh. did call the East the JV division, but they didn't. They do have the Grey Cup champion who will be in action for the first time this weekend. And I was just thinking about it yesterday as I see Andrew Harris put up post on Instagram pictures of the Argos Grey Cup ring. Just how good the Bombers team was and how unfortunate. I try, you know, you try not to think about it as the missed opportunity. You're kind of trying to look forward at the season ahead. But Matt still, still stings a little. It hits you once in a while. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure a bunch of those guys on the Bombers still pals with Andrew, still following him on Instagram, are going to see that as they get ready to go in and take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and will take out their frustration on the men in green. Uh, Bombers, 
six and a half point favorites in that game against Saskatchewan. That's gone up a little bit from five and a half and six earlier this week. And a big part of that is the uh, questionable nature of Trevor Harris after that mind-numbingly dumb play at the end of their win against Edmonton, which ended up getting him hurt. Mason Feinsman doing the reps. He is a game-time decision. Bombers, six-and-a-half-point favorites. The Elks, seven-point underdogs in BC against the Lions. And the Ticats, now two-point favorites in Toronto, taking on the Argos in the Sunday Nighter. Uh, All of it's there for you. Check it out at coolbet.com. Um, we also have some live numbers. Um, actually, there still is some guys you can make uh, U.S. Open bets to win that haven't teed off yet. Come the weekend, though, there will be live betting throughout the weekend for the major for the uh, this major tournament that's happening right now. As far as today goes <clears throat> in the national uh, in Major League Baseball, it's getaway day. Uh, by the way, Rio, just while I'm doing this, find out what's happening in the Jays game. Can tell you that the uh, Rays are up right now on the Oakland Athletics. Phillies up to nothing on the D-backs. Still to come later on tonight, Tigers, Twins, Rockies, Braves, Pirates, Cubs, as well as the Angels and the Texas Rangers, Nationals and Astros, Guardians and Padres out on the West Coast, and the White Sox and the LA Dodgers. Check out all of the odds over at CoolBet. Our great partners, and uh, again, a huge thanks to CoolBet for making the draft shows in Nashville happen coming up a couple weeks from now. Uh, Did you see how the Jays did this afternoon? They lost 4-2. Danny Danny Jansen had two homers, but uh, wasn't enough. That was it, obviously. (laughs) That was the two, yeah, that was the two runs. Um, Well, as I say, we've got CFL tonight. This is that weird time, Remo, and... It's not as big of a deal right now for us because we do have so much to talk about with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and all of this intrigue around the Winnipeg Jets. But this is somewhat start of the dead zone of the sports calendar, and I appreciate everyone jumping in with us. That, that's the good thing is the Jets are the gift that keeps on giving because there's enough drama and intrigue as to everything around the hockey club that I think will be staying busy for the next number of weeks. But it is weird without the hoops, without the hockey playoffs right now. You sort of get into that position where you spend a lot more time paying attention to the Blue Jays and Major League Baseball, and you just can't wait to finally get to Thursday and know that the CFL is on TSN. Yeah, I'm ready for CFL. We can love playing uh, DraftKings, Fantasy, you know, all the uh, props and all that for CFL. So uh, I'll be tuned in tonight to this Ottawa-Calgary game. But I did say to my wife last night, also the Sea Bears are in action. Uh, here in Winnipeg, looking to get back, looking to get back at it. Oh, that's right. I was so confused with my dates. Um, yeah, that's oh, tonight. I believe that is tonight. Another tonight. game trying to bounce back from uh, their first home loss. Now four and two heading into tonight's game. Another great crowd on Monday. And uh, listen, if you haven't been out to a game, it might be a great night to get down to Canada Life Center. And check it out. Had a bunch of friends that went down to Assiniboia Downs last night. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't listen to my picks because I uh, did not have any success. Did you? Uh, did you extend your lead over me last no, night? No, I didn't have any. I think I was negative. I lost. All, I lost all my bets. So you didn't make up any ground. I was super close. I was super close on a couple. I did my old triactors. I had two or three with my other one in fourth, but. Uh, next week is a new week. We will return to our picks on Monday for Assiniboia Downs. And, of course, 
you can uh, open up an account at hpibet.com, bet the track as well as tracks around the world if you like, and always check out Assiniboia Downs on YouTube. Uh, but in the meantime, asdowns.com for more information on live racing coming up and, of course, reservations to get in for that world-class prime rib buffet in the dining room each and every night of live racing. So what's up with you tonight? going to go to yeah. the Sea Bears? Or are you going to watch a little CFL football? You're going to go to the zoo? No, zoo closes at, uh, they close early. I'm not, a, oh, I'm not a huge fan of their hours uh, closing so early in the summer when there's so much daylight, but that's, that's, a, that's a different show. It's not Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, but uh, I'll probably be tuned into this CFL game. I did say to my wife, I'm like, hey, there's no more hockey. Like, we can catch up on all our shows. There's all these shows are falling behind. I'm watching hockey every night. It's a bit of a dead zone here, so. Uh, but the, has, we did have actually have some hockey news uh, today during the show, just real quick. Uh, the big one was the Jesper Bratt extension, eight-year deal, just under $8 million with New Jersey. And we, I think we floated, uh, what, floated uh, him as a trade possibility in exchange, what, for Hellebuck or something? Eight-year, yeah. $63 AAV. But a couple other minor notes, uh, Ethan Bear was injured at the Worlds. He's having surgery. He's going to be out for a while. Oh, and how about the, this one? Has the Flames hiring Jerome Aginla, a special advisor to Craig Conroy. So line mates Interesting. on the Flames. Getting Iggy back in the, back in the fold. Yeah, That's a Con good thing. Conroy centering Aginla on the wing once again. I uh, love it. Uh, hey, this is maybe somewhat breaking news. Russ Lowen. Has just said we were talking about the Sea Bears. He goes, I think I'm going to hit the 45th anniversary of Mitzi's, mm. and then head to the Sea Bears game last minute. I'm all time Mitzi's guy, and unfortunately, it's another spot during the pandemic that has shorter hours and whatnot. Russ, please fill me in on this 45th anniversary. Is there something going on down there tonight? I guess it's open, so I can always go there and get my favorite chicken fingers. But uh, that's not a bad plan. Hit Mitzi's. And then roll in a long time to the Sea Bears game tonight. Shirley, Shirley's the queen of downtown, man. It's great to great to have them uh, continue to do so well. And uh, that is a Winnipeg institution, along with many other great restaurants. But always have a soft spot for our friends over at Mitzi's. Um, great show today. Again, thanks to everyone for the feedback for uh, the last couple days. And you know, once again, thoughts with everyone affected by uh, these cuts, both with Bell, Post Media. The athletic this week it has been uh, has been a real tough week, and even for folks that are doing other things like us right now, sort of brings you back to the day that everything changed for all of us. I thought Ken eloquently put that earlier on today. That you know, thankful for your support, thankful for the support of all our sponsors, and privileged to be able to do this every day with you all, gang. That's gonna do it for us. Thanks to Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff. Great draft talk earlier on. Of course, Ken Weave and Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. Do not miss tomorrow's show. Craig Button, Murata Tesh, Ed Weeb, or Ed Tate, excuse Ed me. Tate. Ed Weeb, Eddie Tate in Regina, setting up Bombers Riders, and a check-in as well with Andrew Collier from the Gold Eyes. We are all over it getting into the weekend tomorrow, and of course, Friday means marbles. We'll see you then on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. 
Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.